Hey, everybody. Welcome to the newest episode of The Best Ever, episode 18. That's right. We are now able to vote. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to make a quip about us being legal now. So, yeah, I, I you read my way. mind. I thought that way and I was like, yeah, I'll go with the voting. What the hell? Um, <laughs> I'll go with the more dirty side. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, we're now eligible to vote. We can serve in the military, all kinds of good stuff. We can be tried as legal adults, you know, all sorts of good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and listen, voting in the military and all that fits right into what we're talking about tonight. Exactly. Tonight, we are. See how I did that? That's masterful stuff right there. No, <laughs> <laughs> um hold on while i while i sprain my shoulder patting myself on the back um <laughs> tonight we're talking yeah we're talking all about patriotic media and what do i mean by patriotic media i mean movies tv shows comic books anything music whatever you want to name it and it has something to do with being patriotic about the good old us of a then boom there it is so we're going to get this thing started off right. We're going to hit the theme song and then we'll be back. we'll be back talking all about patriotic media. All right. That's our theme song. So we are ready to go. We're talking all about patriotic media today. It is. It was just 4th of July. It was 4th of July weekend this weekend. Um, how was yours, by the way? Mine was actually pretty good. Very relaxing. Oh, good. Good. Yeah, no, I, we had a good one, too. We went to uh, my brother-in-law's house. We had a 4th of July slash gender reveal party. Uh, because they're ha they're having a baby, so now I found out I'm gonna have another niece. Oh, um, that's so yes, good. that'll be two nephews and two nieces. I'm, uh, I'm glad no houses burned down in this one. No, we used balloons with confetti inside, so Smart. no no fire involved. <laughs> <laughs> no fire, no explosions, no exactly wild for forest fires. Yeah, exactly. So you know. Anybody who lives, you know, on the East Coast, you can thank us that, you know, your entire neighborhood did not burn down. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it was a good time. So anyway, uh, I am Jam Creates. This is my channel. This is our show, the best ever. We do this every week at 7 p.m. Eastern. We pick a different topic. We talk all about it. We have a good time. We get into all kinds of different tangents and we have fun. Uh, so like I said, I'm Jam Creates. This is my my channel right here. If you're new here, if you've never been here before, don't forget to subscribe and all that good stuff. Uh, if you have been here before, well, welcome back and thank you for sticking around. Uh, we're up to I'm up to like 428, I think, subscribers or something like that at this point. Awesome. Congrats. Um, yeah, it's cool. I'm very excited. Um, so 427. OK, so I, I overestimated by one. Close enough. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway yeah so we're we're having a good time we're here to talk about patriotic media and i am jam creates like i said and next to me i have mr rc gates you want to just introduce yourself real quick of course what's up everybody i'm rc i have a youtube channel where you can follow me right here just rc gates and 
can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at RCGates1994. All righty then. So why don't we get into it? It's funny. I like this was an idea kind of just spawned out of the, you know, the time of year and of course the holiday. Uh, so I don't know how much interest this will be to any international viewers out there. <laughs> um, well, I for mean, anyone it, who's curious. Yeah, so. I mean, it might be, you know, I'm sure there's some intellectual curiosity about just this kind of stuff and, and what it means and maybe what we as Americans think of it and, and whatnot and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, it was the holiday, so I was thinking about it and then. You know, we had the party and then we were watching the fireworks on TV. And um, it's funny because, you know, we were watching the the fireworks on TV, which in and of itself is a patriotic media thing. They show the Fourth of July fireworks from New York City all the time on oh, definitely. Uh, on NBC every year. Uh, Macy's, you know, Macy's presents the Fourth of July spectacular. And, you know, just like they present the Thanksgiving Day Parade. Um, and I've never actually been I've never gone to go see it live. Um I tend to not go to those things. I stay away from like that kind of stuff, like New Year's Eve or the Thanksgiving Day Parade or the fireworks on the fourth. Like just because like there's just too damn many people mm -hmm. and like it's a nightmare. Oh, um, yeah. And I know people who've gone to those things and it's just an absolute like just it's 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 fun for like the little bit of what you're doing. But if mm -hmm. the weather's bad or, or any I mean, fourth of July, you got a better than average chance. The weather will be fine. Um, you know, it's not like Thanksgiving. You could freeze your ass off on Thanksgiving out there. And same thing oh, with yeah. New Year's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, I, I was asked last. Was it last year? No, it wasn't last year. I think it was the year before. And it was like, oh, are you thinking about maybe going over to going to like New New York for New Year's at some point? I was like, like no, <laughs> it's much more comfortable just being at home. Yeah, no, it, it's a it's a pain in the ass. It really is. Like, it's just so many people. It'd be it's different if. Uh, it, it's funny because it's one of those things that people don't necessarily think about it unless you're you're in the area is uh, if you know someone who works in one of those buildings on, let's say, the parade route or near where the ball is going to drop or anything like that, like then you can go. They the, the, the businesses usually all do that. They invite the families and stuff and you can go and sit at the windows and you can watch the stuff and you're still inside. You have access to a bathroom. You know, <laughs> it's all that kind of stuff. Exactly. But, yeah, that's the big one. Like the same thing, like especially like New Year's Eve, like you don't move. They like people don't understand when they're watching that on TV, you get penned in like basically mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, like a farm animal. They pen these people in and then you don't leave that pen. You stay like, there, dude. The I want to sit down time. on my couch, right? I want, some, my, I want my ass on something that's soft, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so we were watching the fireworks, and and, and it was funny because I'm thinking about how, uh, you know, there was a good sized crowd, a lot of people there watching, and uh, you know, you always get the you know, the celebrity performers, and they always turn it into that kind of thing, they always have that for, for everything, your Christmas tree lighting, all that, they have you know the performers singing and oh, that yeah. kind of stuff. And um, it's always kind of interesting to me because when, especially when it comes to 4th of July, because there's so many uh, celebrities and, and whatnot out there who love to just talk smack about America all the time. Um, don't get me started. I can go on for like several hours. Yeah, about no, that I don't want to go. I don't want to go too hard into that. <laughs> I just wanted to mention it because it is true. It happens all the time. Mm -hmm. And then you've got, 
these other people who are performing at these events. And you always kind of wonder, like, where's everybody's head at? Like, when they're doing like, is this person like doing this just because it's a gig and it's getting them on TV and they're getting paid and they're doing it? Or are they doing it because it's something they really think is cool? Like, you always kind of wonder, like, it's just it's such mm-hmm. an odd thing to have to think about. <laughs> like, it's just a weird thing to 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 actually have to think about. Likely. Or say, more I'm, likely to be. Say that again. You broke up. Oh, I said definitely nowadays it's more likely to be thought of. Yeah, it, it's it's a weird thing to, to have to think about, but it, it definitely is something that crosses your mind when you're watching it. But the fireworks are fantastic. They always do a great job with that. And it's a lot of fun. And they have like the the military band the orchestra playing the music and everything else. And it's usually a good it's usually a nice show. Um, and it was again, it was a nice show again this year. Um, I always think it's hysterical now. Like, I think they did it last year, too. And now this year they did like the fireworks off of the Empire State Building as well. Um, hmm. Not, you know, they they always have the barges out on the river and they fire them from there. But then they had fireworks coming, shooting off the Empire State Building. And I always wonder, like, if there's like somebody just walking down 34th Street and like that stuff just goes off. And they're like, what the hell's happening? <laughs> they're going like PTSD. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, I don't know why I always think of that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it was just interesting to see. And it just, you know, kind of led into all this. And then that night I actually watched and that'll bring us to at least the first one I'll bring up uh, was a movie. Uh, it was originally a play. Um, I didn't even realize that, like, I had seen this years ago when I was a kid, and then I've seen it, like, bits and pieces, never actually sat down and watched the whole thing. Until this year, I sat down and I watched it again, and that's uh, 1776. Um, It's a long movie. It's about three hours long, and um, it happened, it was on uh, Turner Classic Movies, so... I was like, oh, 1776 is on. All right. I, I put it on and then I wound up just watching the entire thing. Um, it was one of those like I put it on, like not intending to actually watch the whole thing. <laughs> and then you get engrossed and then you're just sitting there like, what happens next? What happens next? Ooh, that's cool. Yeah. Well, like I just started. Wa- it was just funny because I just kept watching it. And um, I had seen it when I was a kid. And it's really funny. Honestly, it is a. It's a film, but it was it was originally a a uh, a play on Broadway and it's a musical and it's actually like a musical comedy about the founding of America. (laughs) So it's it's literally about like the main point of it is it's about um, the writing, the drafting and the the uh, and them voting on and then and then ultimately signing the Declaration of Independence. And um, so it's it's all about that. Um, But it has like it's really funny because it has a lot of humor to it. Um, It's got yes, it's got Feeney in it. Uh, Mr. Feeney is in it from Boy Meets World. Uh, William Daniels. He plays uh, John Adams. And um, it's really it's funny because, like I said, there's a lot of funny stuff. I do think they probably it didn't need to be three hours. There's definitely some stuff they could have cut out if they wanted to. Um, but whatever. I mean, I've, I've seen some very, very long plays and musicals and uh, so, yeah, it's yeah. Well, most, I mean, sometimes honestly, three like, hours works. Most like most uh, Broadway shows are, they tend to, they, well, at least they used to, I don't know anymore, but they used to clock in around three hours. Most of them anyway. 
Um, mm-hmm. But now, not so much. I mean, again, I guess if you if you uh, add in the intermission and all that, they probably still do. But uh, but there's a lot of just funny, silly, silly moments um, that you wouldn't think of when you're thinking about something that's trying to present like a historical, like you know, it's obviously not meant to be perfectly accurate. Um, but there's, they also, it, it's funny because while I said, while it is a, a comedy musical, they do also get into some really heavy stuff, uh, at times, which is, which is really interesting. Like, well, actually this scene right here where this guy is singing, uh, this is like towards the end of the movie, it's, there's a big confrontation about, uh, Thomas Jefferson has written the declaration and they're reading it in Congress and they're, they're going over it and they go through like days of basically edits where anybody who has something that they want to bring up will bring it up. So they bring, you know, this person doesn't like the wording of this, that person doesn't like the wording of that. This one doesn't like this, you know, it's all that kind of stuff. And, um, that guy was, he was from the South and he did not like the fact that the, original draft of the declaration essentially also abolished slavery, um, which is factually true. That did happen. And uh, he basically, and and the way it was set up was when they decided they were going to vote on the issue of independence for America, it had to be unanimous Um, because if any colony wasn't going to go along with it, now they were going to be, either dragged along or they were going to be fighting on the side of England from within. So it would be, you know, they decided in order to, if they were going to do it, it had to be unanimous. So he didn't like the idea that the original draft basically granted the slaves freedom because he was from the South and the South, that was a big part of what they, you know, a big part of their economy. And so basically he sing, he sings this whole song about like, you know, you guys act like you're so high and mighty, but like you yourself have slaves. Where do you think the ships come from? Like they're sailing in and out of Boston and then they're bringing them down south. Like where, like, where do you think this stuff is happening? You try you know, like, and it's like this really nasty exchange that happens. <laughs> um, and eventually it ends with the entire South walking out, you know, basically. And at that point it's dead in the water. And, um, you know, and then they have to have the conversation about, do we take this out and gain independence with the idea that in the future, then we can free the slaves or do we stick with this? And then the idea of independence just dies instantaneously because we just won't have, I mean, half the colonies just walked out. So like, so there's like, they're not afraid to hit like these heavy topics in there as well as just have a good time too. like, you know, Ben Franklin is obviously a character because he's a womanizer and he's just a little crazy. And and like, there's a lot of just funny stuff like throughout the, the entire, uh, throughout the entire process, every time they're voting on something, uh, all the, you know, everybody's voting yay, nay, yay. And they get to New York and every single time the, the, the guy from New York will just say, New York abstains courteously every time. He never votes on anything. 
Oh my. Like so they just have a they have a good time with some stuff. They you know, it's got some really funny moments and then it's got some some really like serious moments. It's an interesting movie and uh you know, it's from the early it's like 1972 I think it came out. Um but it's it, it's worth watching. Like it's definitely something that's worth watching especially around the 4th of July, you know. It makes sense. But I mm-hmm. think it's something that's worth checking out. Like if especially if you've never seen it, like, you know, obviously your tolerance for musicals will certainly sway your opinion one way or the other. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're definitely uh, it definitely depends on your taste during that that part of the day or that hour, whenever you're be yeah. deciding to watch it. You know, it, that's definitely going to play into it. Um, and then there's this whole it's funny because there's, there's this whole other bit where there's this other character who he's a young guy. He comes into the Congress and he's basically just a messenger. He 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 walks in. He never says anything. He walks through the door, walks up to the secretary, hands him the message, and then turns around and walks right back out. Like half the time, he doesn't even stop. He just walks right through, hands him, keeps going. And um, all the messages he brings are the messages from George Washington. And the messages from Washington are, are generally, especially given the time frame, are pretty bleak. You know, uh, you know, the, the army is starving. They don't have the, st- the equipment. They're being driven here and this and that. Like, you know, everything's bad. You know, the British just mm-hmm. landed with 35,000 troops here in New York and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's a lot of bad stuff. And, um, you know, but it's funny because he's a young guy and he just keeps doing it. And then all of a sudden, like at one point, Congress was. Uh, ended for the day and, and the room is empty. So it's just him and a couple of the other people who work in there who aren't members of Congress. They're just kind of like people who work in the room to help like assist with things and stuff. And so they're chit chatting and they said to the kid like, Oh, did you see any action? And he, at first it's kind of like they're having a good time. Like, Oh, did you see any action? He's like, yeah, you know, I saw a couple of, couple of battles, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden it takes this turn because like, yeah, I watched two of my best friends get shot and killed. Like, and it was just like, whoa, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, and then he he like suddenly like starts talking about it and it gets more and more serious as he's talking about what happened. And then eventually, like it turns into a song, obviously, but he sings this song that is just this heart wrenching song about after the battle the mothers of his two friends go out onto the field to find their sons. Like he's telling, he tells them the story and he says how like the one found her son right away. And you know, he was dead and she found him and that was it. And the other one was searching for hours and hours to find her son on this battlefield because he had crawled off the battlefield into the, the brush and the woods and stuff. And he's singing this entire song, like, from the perspective of this kid who got killed, who's dying like just off the battlefield singing to his mom, hoping that she can find him before he dies. And like, well, it's this horrible, horrible gut wrenching song. And I was watching it. I was like, Jesus Christ, this is dark. Yeah. (laughs) Like I, I did not remember that from the first time I watched the movie as a kid. (laughs) Maybe you blacked it out. I probably did. Like my memory from seeing it as a kid was like, you know, uh, Thomas Jefferson and and Ben Franklin, like dancing down the steps, singing about who's going to write the declaration and all this. Like, like 
and then oh, here's this whole song about this kid dying, bleeding out to death in, in the woods. Like, it's like this horrible song. <laughs> it's like, God. <laughs> that was That's the interesting thing about that movie, though, is it's like they have a lot of fun and they do a lot of silly stuff, but then at the same time, they're not afraid to, like, delve into the darkness and the 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 bad parts of the whole thing you know it was mm-hmm. not what these people were doing was not an easy fun thing <laughs> you know and the ending is the ending is fairly abrupt it ends with them signing the declaration and then it just kind of ends um but even then like as they're signing it it's like the music is like this like like and at first i'm like what the hell is this like like i get it's supposed to be like a a somber moment at the same time but like this is really and then i realized i'm like this is because these men signing this declaration of independence are are signing a piece of paper that basically says if they don't win independence from england if this is unsuccessful this is the paper that will deem that will damn every single one of them to be executed Mm-hmm. like that that's what they're doing <laughs> so it was definitely an interesting uh it was an interesting experience like i said i hadn't seen it in so many years that i really didn't really remember as much about it and i like i said i, I think a lot of people probably have never seen it um so it's definitely worth checking out it's just it's just called 1776 um it's definitely i think worth checking out for people uh if they haven't um and then you know we could get into like it's funny because that it i don't want to it's funny because i made it sound kind of dark and like depressing but it's really not like it's a very fun movie throughout like mm-hmm. it's it's weird it's this it's weird... a fun movie that deals with dark and depressing stuff yeah yeah it's very interesting um it, it's almost like a bipolar movie <laughs> like, <laughs> it swings so far from one way to the other at times mm-hmm. um but yeah, it's very interesting. And just, you know, I like anything that kind of puts I, I'm a huge I've always been like a big it sounds weird to say like a fan of, but like I've always been a a, a big like I've always I'll put it this way, I've always been interested in the Revolutionary War and that time period and and everything that in is involved in it and that went, you know, went that goes with it. Um that's always been something I've been interested in from the time I was a little kid. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know if for whatever reason, it just is something that really kind of just stuck sticks with me. And I always kind of, you know, will be interested in anything about that. Um, but we can, we can swing in a totally different direction now, and then we can come back to the revolutionary war if we want. I don't Well, let me let you, do you have something in mind that you wanted to bring up or, um, well, we can keep it in the same Revolutionary War side, but that's fine. Um, keeping it more on the animated side of that spectrum. Okay. I don't know if anyone remembers this TV show. Give me one second to pull up an image of it. All right. Um, whenever I was younger, I was homeschooled all the way up until college. And whenever I was like probably younger than 10, uh, we would, me and my brother would usually go to our grandparents' house for, for some days and we would just 
sit around and watch TV on the days whenever we <clears throat> weren't having schoolwork. Right. And one of the shows that would come up would be this revolutionary TV sh- and revolution there. One of these shows about the Revolutionary War, and this image is complete crap because it's so pixelated. Oh. So, let me find another one. <laughs> Good lord, they're all such small images. All right, I hate see. that when you're trying to find something and they're all tiny, these tiny Another little bitch. like thumbnail size images. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think I might have it. It's a show called Liberty's Kids. And by just saying that name is probably not going to jog anyone's memory because it didn't jog mine whenever I heard it. But seeing okay. the character designs is what got me. And it would pretty much just be these three kids just sort of like, from what I remember, going through and going through different stages of the war. And they, they, I think each of them came from different, like, um, different state, not stages, like different ways of life in like the time of the war. Okay. And they all sort of like met up at some point and somehow started out helping the founding fathers with their stuff and the Revolutionary War, um, the colonists. Right. And honestly, I don't know the entirety of the show, but I know that this is something that I used to watch whenever I was younger and I would always have like, um, like coloring pages of these characters and I would always be drawing them. And it was just for some reason, I have very little memories of the storyline of the show itself. I just know it was okay. about the revolutionary war. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds, it's funny. Cause I don't, um, it doesn't really ring a bell for me. Um, do you know, like when, it came out. Um, I can try to look that up. Give me one moment. Let's see. Let me do a quick Wikipedia search. Well, there's only 40 episodes of it. So that explains why I don't remember okay. much of it. Um, PBS Kids from September of 2002 to April of 2003. Okay. And it was yeah, reruns that's... until 2004, so there's only a two-year period where this is actually going. Okay, that's probably why I, it doesn't ring any bells for me, because that's after my time and before my daughter was born, so... <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, my daughter was born Sylvester in... Stallone as Paul Revere. Really? No shit. And Arnold Schwarzenegger as Baron von Steuben. Wow. Holy fuck. That's so funny. They have Liam Neeson and Whoopi Goldberg in there as well. Holy crap. Good grief. So they obviously spent some money on this. <laughs> Apparently. Goodness. And I didn't know a single thing about that until I just looked this up. Holy mackerel. That's so funny. That's why I still don't understand the point of spending big money to get celebrities to do voices on kids 
projects because the kids don't know who the celebrities are. Exactly. <laughs> you can get like a cheaper celebrity who would do an impression and you, can you get... still wouldn't know a single thing. Right. You could just get just a regular ass voice actor who's not famous and pay them a hell of a lot less. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I just if you want I, us to loan, you can do us to loan. I just feel like it's just because they just want to put the names on the poster or in the trailer. Like that's all it really boils down to. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah. even if you're looking at the at this poster, there's no names on it, right? <laughs> and like that's in all of the other posters that I could see, even with the pixelated shit, it's just like I couldn't see any of them. Right. That's so funny. That's an interesting thing, though, that they had a show like that even in in the early 2000s um i suppose that was probably still that was definitely still before we reached this time of we have to go back and judge all of history through modern oh, yeah. lenses and all that definitely kind of way before that because i know yeah. that at the same time it would be at the same time when when there would be like shows like like wishbone that uh -huh. show about the dog that would show like go on like imaginary adventures and like books and show like classic stories through the dog's point of view uh -huh. <laughs> so in a way it sort of makes sense it was i mean it's pbs right yeah no it, it does make sense it's just it's interesting to see i'm always interested in, like i said anything revolutionary war always would have my attention so like when i was a kid like uh for example i actually put it in the uh I put it in the thumbnail, but I wonder if I can bring it up here just to show it. Um, yeah, let me see. Images. Okay. Yeah, there was um, when I was a kid. I'm sure. I'm sure. Lots of people remember, uh, like the Choose Your Own Adventure books. <laughs> I had a few of those whenever I was growing up too. Yeah, I'm sure everyone remembers that. Like, and one of the ones I had that I really want—I I remember I I bought it um, from like the Scholastic Book Fair. I think was this one. It's called Spy for George Washington. Um. And I wanted that one bad because like I loved choose your own adventure books to begin with. And then this was one that was set during the Revolutionary War. Um, and so that, of course, made it just like even more enticing for me as a kid. <laughs> like those things, like, first of all, what's that author's name? Uh, let me see. I got to hold on. Let me look at the bigger version. J. Liebold, L-E-I-B-O-L-D. Hmm. A Leopold. I'm just doing some preliminary searching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was like anytime. Listen, the choose your own adventure books to begin with were just like a huge thing for me back in the day when I was a kid. And then when you had one that had you working as a spy for George Washington, it was like, well, of course I need that one. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and what's what's funny is, um, you know, as a kid, it just was cool. Like, OK, I'm going to get to be a spy for George Washington. All right, cool. I had no idea that historically. George Washington actually had spies that worked for him 
that were based where I'm from. They're they're from Long Island. Like he had the hmm. the the cult the Culper spy ring was based on was based out of Long Island. And uh the Abraham Woodhull, who was the the farmer who became the spy along with a group of others, he was he was a Long Islander. He was from Long Island. He was, you know, obviously like you know, they they the family came over from England, but you know, they were on Long Island and that's where the ring was. They would they would uh sneak across Long Island Sound over to Connecticut to deliver messages to, to Washington and come back the other way. And like, because Long Island was essentially at that, you know, at a certain time, especially in the war, pretty much all of, of downstate New York, Long Island, Manhattan, Brooklyn, like all of, all of that was, was held by the British. Um, you know, as if there was a famous battle, the battle of uh, the battle of Brooklyn, where basically Washington and his troops got their butts handed to them. And, and that was kind of the end of, they're being able to hold New York. And from that point forward, like pretty much all of New- like all of downstate New York was all held by the British at that point. And so that's where the spies came in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, there's it. Well, what's funny too, is there's, there's, um, all sorts of like, uh, books about the Culper spy ring. There's a bunch of them out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, this brings me to, another piece of media that I really, really like, um, which was called, which was turn Washington spies. This was a TV show on AMC. Uh, probably, I don't know. I'm not sure what year it was that it came out. Um, but this is the story of that spy ring. Hmm. I did not know that's what Turn was about. This this whole thing is the story of Abraham Woodhull and the Culper spy ring. Um, obviously, there's some embellishments to the actual history, uh, mm-hmm. of of course, just because you know why wouldn't there be? Uh, <laughs> for example, like that guy that they had just showed him right there. He's uh, John Graves Simcoe. He was a a British officer who they. In the show, they make him an absolute like psycho. Like he, he's he's absolutely just he's like evil incarnate, just pure evil. Like, and he's like crazy. Uh, when in reality, this is really funny because I because I looked him up. Um, <laughs> I looked him up afterwards, like after watching the show, because that's what happens with shows like this. Like I'll watch them and then I'll be like, well, now I need to look it up and see what's actually real and what wasn't. And th- were the, was this person real? Was that person real? All that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, so I looked it up and it turns out that uh, Simcoe was actually, uh, he, you know, he was a British officer and he eventually wound up in Canada and at the end of the war, he wound up in Canada and he was ironically, he was uh, beloved up there as a governor and hmm. helped people. Um, and then the craziest part of the whole thing is he is one of the people I don't know how, you know, like he's, he's one of the people credited with the idea of sending Valentine's Day cards. <laughs> 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 Which is what did just, you say his name was again? Like Simcoe? Simcoe. S I M 
COE. Um, but yeah, he uh, he was you know he ended up apparently he was he was a normal not psychotic person or anything like that. <laughs> in the show they make him absolute just evil incarnate but like uh i guess they just had to they needed it for drama's sake but um oh yeah you know of course they got to do that it's always it's funny because like i get it but at the same time like i kind of feel bad for like whoever his family is now like any any you know relatives he has living now you know descendants are probably like dude why did you have to make like my great 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 grandfather look like a psycho killer mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the show itself is really good um like if you're at all interested in the revolutionary war if you're at all interested in the idea of the cult perspiring and the things that they did um what's really what was really interesting was a lot of the stuff that they did was pretty groundbreaking in terms of spycraft um things like invisible ink and stuff like like they used that like to think about the fact that people during like the 1700s were using invisible ink to pass messages they were using um literally like the way they would hang the laundry on a line would convey a message like just all this crazy stuff like it really was interesting and then there's there's one thing in i believe it's in the first season where um they have this thing they call it the turtle and essentially it's a one-man su submarine oh yeah i think I've, I've seen like schematics for that yeah it was it might have it, been on, like well, like ripley's believer not not believe okay believe it or not book Sorry, tongue tied there for a second. It was, it's like, yeah, like seeing that sort of stuff and like how they originally were going to do it is just like very intriguing. It's really, it was funny because when they, they use it on the show and when I saw it, I'm like, well, that can't be real. Like, there's no way that that thing actually existed, but no sure shit. It actually existed. I don't think it was used the way they used it on the show. If I remember correctly, that I looked up, that was not true. Um, my understanding was the inventor built one and I think he took it for like one trip and it made it like a little ways and then it kind of like, you know, didn't exactly work out. But, you know, the fact that somebody actually did build one of those things, historically speaking, and it did actually exist at some point is really pretty freaking cool. <laughs> I just got in my head a redone version of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles theme you know mm -hmm. they're like teenage mutant ninja right. turtles <laughs> revolutionary turtles <laughs> <laughs> for some reason that just popped into my head now like, that's interesting and with you being a turtle fan i know that you would <laughs> get uh -huh. laugh out of it <laughs> yeah i i know like i said i would definitely recommend like i think it's on netflix um turn i think all i think it was five seasons four or five seasons um and i believe they're all on i think it's on netflix um it's definitely worth watching it's just a good show uh <laughs> ramble gamble like that <laughs> instead of painters they're awful philosophers <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh no it, it it um it's a really good show it really is um 
you know, it's a definitely a much more serious look. It, it has its melodrama. There's some, you know, relationship issues and things of that nature that come up, which, of course, listen, it's a TV show. Yeah. What show doesn't have that? Uh, yeah. Obviously, you're going to have to do what you got to do, but it's really well done. And a lot of the stuff that they do in the show is based on uh, historical fact. You know, sometimes they take some license with it, like I said, but, oh yeah, you know, I, I always feel like that's OK when you're making media like that, as long as like because I feel like it's going to inspire because I know for me, like I said, anytime I'm watching anything like that and something is presented, I'm going to go look it up mm -hmm. and see the actual truth behind it. So I feel like I can't be the only person who does that. So. You know, if you're putting it out there and you're getting people interested in it and you're showing it to people and then they're going and looking up the actual truth behind the spying and everything else, like that's cool. Like and it's just like I said, it's just an enjoyable show. It's it's a good look at the Copa ring. And then also at as the show goes on, it kind of expands more into the war in general as well. You get a lot of uh, Washington and, and whatnot, and you get to see him. He's portrayed really well in the show. Um there's a lot of good stuff and they, and they, and they, uh, they really kind of do a good job of, of presenting the people historically. Like I said, obviously they take license with some of the people. Um, and it's also just an entertaining show. It's not like a boring ass, like, you know, Hey, and then they did this and that, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? It's not a reenactment oh, yeah. show. It's, it's a drama. It's not a documentary. Um, I've sat through so many, like, so many documentaries where it's just like pictures scrolling towards the screen very slowly and the narrator just reading it out all monotone. It was probably the one, some of the worst experiences during my high school time. Uh -huh. And I was just like, Oh my God, I'm so bored. But yeah, thank <laughs> God for shows like what you're describing. Yeah, no, it's a really, like I said, it's a really good show. I would a hundred percent recommend it to anybody out there. It's called turn Washington spies. It's pretty, I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix. The whole thing, it ended a few years back, so it's over. It's, you know, you got the whole package um, and it had an ending. It knew it was ending. So it actually has an ending. Um, and there's a lot of stuff in there that I had no idea. Like they give you a really interesting uh, portrayal of, of Benedict Arnold, honestly. And, um, you get to learn more about him. You see him more as a person and you can see, and obviously we know where his story is going and it's interesting <laughs> to see how it gets there. It's very interesting. There's, there's other characters, historically speaking, and they're real. They were real people that I never even knew about and to, to see them in the show and then go out and, and learn even more about them. People like John Andre and, and uh, Franklin's wife um, who actually, is a pretty big part in the whole thing. And um, uh, Peggy Shippen, who ends up marrying, she becomes Pe Peggy Arnold. Um, th it's interesting to see how this whole thing happens. And, and, and it really gives you a really cool picture of, of all of it. And it's, it's, it's really well done in terms of like the costuming and the sets and the, the action scenes and the battles and all that kind of stuff. Really well done stuff. Uh, really, really good stuff. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, so I would definitely wholeheartedly recommend that for sure. Um, did you have uh, anything else in mind beforehand or should I just go on to another one or what do you want to do? Um, well, nothing revolutionary war stuff other than no, it doesn't what have I mentioned, to be. but um, one that 
I do really like, and this is another one that it can be funny, but also have some, it, it's enjoyable, but also takes on some dark and disturbing content as well. It's Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Okay. Have you ever seen that one? I, I haven't. Stewart? No, no okay. I know the movie. I've never seen it though. Okay. So there's this, um, like a state Senator who passed away and the governor of that state, I forget what exact state it was. He needs to appoint a new Senator to go and replace the, the dead Senator. And he picks Jimmy Stewart's character who is Mr. Smith. And he's a very, um, he's a very likable guy and he has a very good image in his community. So he's a good, um, a good image to portray for a Senator. And they want him because he's sort of naive and they can influence him to doing what they want him to do. Okay. But instead he's doing sort of the stuff that's going to actually better his community and his state. And that, for the most of the beginning of the movie, it's all about him being that good guy, him having that good image. And then in the second half of that movie, they sort of, they embroil him in like a scandal okay. that didn't actually happen, but they say that he was responsible for like embezzlement and sort of stuff. And it really shows <laughs> really how corrupt all of these bastards can be. <laughs> and it's like, okay. So it, it really makes you think about what these characters are going through and what they're doing to destroy this person who is not working for Washington. He's mm. working for his constituents. Right. And it's like taking a look at that and comparing it to sort of what's going on right now in the government, then it's a much more uh, much more grounded movie in that second half. Like, it ends with well, like the, like, the climax of the movie is pretty much whenever he's doing, he is enacting like a filibuster and he's standing on the Senate floor and arguing his case for hours upon hours upon hours to sort of to fix the situation and Jimmy Stewart is just like an awesome actor. Like even from, yeah, he is. Like, <laughs> from it's a wonderful life to this movie he is fucking amazing. And the amount of emotion that he has on his face, because he's seeing that all these people are turning against him and his good image is no longer there. And he's fighting to keep that. It's like, dude, we're not going to have an actor like you. Because <laughs> you, you can see like he has like all the sweat all over his face and right. he has like he's like crying and he's like it's like he's portraying a guy who's actually fighting for the people that he wants to be representing and wanting to make their lives better but he's being pulled down by all of this corruption and just being like it's it's um, an amazing movie I would wholeheartedly recommend watching it. Yeah, I, it's it's one of it's funny because it's one of those movies. Obviously, I've heard the title, 
for years. And I never really knew what it was about, to be honest with you. Like, I know the movie. I knew Jimmy Stewart was in it, but I never really knew what it was about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, if, yeah. If you were just go just to go by the title, and this is like this is the same thought that I had whenever I first saw. Well, whenever my parents got it from Netflix DVD, whenever they still sent out DVDs, <laughs> um, I was like, really? If Mr. Smith goes to Washington. It sounds like some sort of like like PBS. It sounds like right. one of those like <laughs> hunky dory TV show sort of type movies. And it's like, uh-huh. no, this stuff like it hits you. And it's like, this is the stuff that you would see like pff, stuff that you would see from like Hitchcock. And uh-huh. it's like, it's awesome. It's honestly awesome. That's cool. Yeah. No, I definitely. I'll check it out for sure. Um, cause I'm always looking for something good to actually watch. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, and, and, um, as far as like old, it's funny cause that's obviously an older movie. Um, mm-hmm. obviously I, yeah, brought up, you know, I looked on the Wikipedia, I think it was like 1939 or something like that. Yeah. 1939. Okay. okay yeah. Then like, um, I remember as a kid watching, uh, with uh jim with james cagney uh yankee doodle dandy it's the story of george m cohan the 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 musician the the conductor the the uh, composer who wrote like yankee doodle dandy and Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and a bunch of other stuff Uh, um it's actually a fun movie that's a good it's a good movie i don't remember too much about it i remember watching it as a kid and enjoying it um (laughs) that's like me with liberty's kids (laughs) A lot of well, there's I a don't lot remember of, much about it, but it, I knew it was good. It had that happens. Listen, like that's like um, you know, going back, like if staying back in in that era, stuff like um, uh, oh god, I just had it and I lost it. Um, oh, Sergeant York, um, that's a great movie, and it's a story about a real person. Uh, it's a black and white movie. It's this guy. He's basically like a country boy. And he goes into it's a World War II film and he, he goes into war, you know, he gets drafted into the army, he goes into the army. And uh the big thing that I remember about that movie was uh, you know, his whole the whole story of him is that he's just this good old boy, he's a country boy, he's whatever, and he gets drafted. And you know, everybody always thinks they're smarter than him, but like when it comes to the to the actual matter of fact, like he's not stupid, he's just southern. Like and yeah, like <laughs> And, you know, he's got common sense. And and in fact, like the big thing I always took away from that was uh, at one point they're going to engage like enemy, the enemy. And there's the end. They're outnumbered for sure. And one of the things he brings up is as you know, if the enemy's walking and he, and he talks about it, like if you're if you're shooting turkeys in the wild, in the woods, <laughs> you never shoot the one in front. If mm-hmm. you shoot, you shoot the one in front, all the rest of them are just going to scatter. If you shoot the one in the back, the other ones in front don't even know what happened to the one behind them because <laughs> they're just <laughs> too busy. They're too busy looking ahead and they're turkeys. They're not the brightest things in the world. And, you know, and so he, they basically, in, they, they enact that kind of same philosophy on the enemy soldiers. They pick them off from behind um, as they're going. And I just, I remember that part of it. Um, but that was another one. That was, a, that was a good movie. A lot. There's a lot of old, you know, um, you know, I mean, listen, there's things like Johnny Tremaine, you know, Disney did the Johnny Tremaine movie. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I remember liking the movie. I hated the book. Um, <laughs> I remember having to read the book for school and oh, my God, was that just torture? Um, just it was one of those books where, 
the author has to describe every single hair on someone's head. And like that, I just can't deal with that. Like I have an imagination. Just tell me the guy's blonde or has brown hair or whatever. Tell me if it's messy or neat. I'm good. Like I don't need every like explanation about every single hair on this dude's head. Um, which oh, is yeah, why that makes sense. Which is why I enjoyed the movie way more than I did the book. <laughs> but there's um, you know, there's all sorts of you know, a lot of the old John Wayne movies. Um, you know, uh was it uh they were exp- we were no we were expendable that's him and donna reed uh, that was a good one um sands of iwo jima there's a ton of like really great like old war movies you know from back in the day uh world war II, a lot of world war ii movies about pearl harbor and stuff like that that are good movies they're they're interesting movies they're good movies and they're incredibly patriotic obviously that was their point oh yeah um you know I back mean, whenever they weren't afraid to be patriotic yeah, like I mean that was the that was the whole point. And the, I mean the other thing too, obviously you've got we could get into we didn't really uh I didn't I wasn't even thinking about this before, but like you could get into even like the uh the propaganda stuff during the war, you know, the the you know, where Donald Duck joins the army and you know, <laughs> like that kind of stuff, you know. Uh, where Superman is telling you to buy war bonds and all that kind oh, yeah. of stuff, you know. Um but then it's funny because that reminded me and I had this sitting around. So I just pulled it up. I figured it might come up like the idea of like comics, hmm. comic books, like war comics, stuff like this, like GI combat. Uh, Sergeant Rock um, is a classic that's been around forever. Like my dad had old Sergeant Rock comics in his old collection, um, you know, and and. and you know he's he's even i don't know if they're doing anything with him now but he was they were still using him every now and then up until a few years back um you know things like that where you know they're they're war stories and they are clearly you know meant they're they're clearly pro-american oh, yeah. uh, in their in their storytelling you know obviously um but they're still good stories and i also just want to point out that this cover by the way like just how badass is this cover, by the way? Oh, <laughs> supremely badass. That's a Joe Kubert cover right there, actually. Um, so you I, were saying stuff about like comics with um, stories from the wars. I think that Billy Tucci is actually doing something with like taking veteran stories and putting them into like comic stories. That's cool. Well, he's a vet himself. Oh yeah, that's right. He is. Yeah, he's a vet himself, so that would make yeah, sense. I always see him as like as a as the she creator first, <laughs> and it's sort of it's like, oh yeah, he is a vet. Yeah, he's he's a veteran. Um, but yeah, no, like there was a lot of like I remember as a kid, I bought well, even this, like I bought this, like I bought this on the stand, and this is from November of nineteen eighty five. It was, but it was issue number two hundred and eighty. Of, G- of GI Man. combat. So think about how long that book has been around, was around, even when the time I bought this in 1985. <laughs> that was a hell of a lot. <laughs> and it was $1.25 cover price. <laughs> if, only, um, if only comics could be that way now. Yeah, right. That honestly, I not feel just like, alternate comics. I feel like that was actually kind of expensive for back then. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Cause I know I have other comics with like a cover price of like 60 cents, 75 cents. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, my parents would have like Archie comics and Richie Rich comics, and they would have that that same price range. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I have stuff from when my dad was a kid. I have some really old stuff um, from when he was little, you know, from when he was young, and that stuff obviously is very cheap. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's just I remember reading. Um, I don't know if you remember Marvel had a book called uh, was it the was it the Nom or just Nom? I don't remember now. Um, I, but it, you're, this is the first time I'm hearing about it, so I would have no uh, okay, idea. Okay, okay, yeah, it was um, it was an ongoing series, and it was just war stories from Vietnam, and it was just all about like, um, I feel like when I was a kid, that was a a pretty popular topic to do stuff with. Um, you know, obviously you had Rambo. You know, you had you know, uh, First Blood. He was a Vietnam vet. Um, mm-hmm. It is called the Nom, by the way. Okay. And um, I used to like that book. It was a cool book. It was like just straight war stories. And, you know, obviously it's funny because, uh, obvi- you know, obviously Vietnam was not exactly a, a, a great, you know, resounding victory for the United States forces. And yet when you watch a lot of the stuff that, you know, the, the media that, that was that is put out taking place within Vietnam, like the U S forces are usually successful in whatever mission they're undertaking. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, you know, but hey, that's it is what it is. It's fiction. So yeah, um, it's the propaganda part. Yeah, I mean, but but that's the funny thing. Like it was a good story. I used to enjoy that kind of stuff. Like I liked uh war comics when I was a kid, you know, stuff like that. Um they don't really they, they I mean listen, hard I don't think anyone does that kind of stuff now. Um and uh, you know, it's just kind of interesting. But then again, I grew up in the heyday of G.I. Joe and stuff like that. And speaking of G.I. Joe, that fits right in with our topic here. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously G.I. Joe, uh, whether you're talking about the comic book or the cartoon or whatever, um, clearly patriotic, uh, oh, without a doubt, you know, a real American hero, you know, um, it's and then the there, name. yeah, exactly. And like this, like this whole, um, this whole opening, this is the, the opening from uh, the movie, from G.I. Joe the movie. And I, I wish I could play it with the sound because it is just absolutely incredible. Um, this is one of those things, I say this all the time, like if you watch this, obviously with the sound on, and you listen to this song and, and the way it goes and everything, you will be ready after it's over to just run through a wall. Like... <laughs> You like you will be so pumped. <laughs> like, oh yeah, because it has like that whole like the whole beginning part of this is just incredible with the whole like where they're Cobra, yeah. Like it's like that <laughs> got the whole beginning with the bad guys like, and then just you know the bad guys are winning, and then who will turn the tide? And boom, Major Blood gets shot. There's Duke, GI Joe. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's so cool. It's like the coolest freaking opening. Um, and it doesn't hurt that the animation in the opening is really good too. <laughs> oh yeah, the animation helps with that. I mean, especially you know when you remember, like, if you watch the show, like, the animation, you know, episode to episode could be pretty hit or miss. Um, <laughs> and so when you saw this, like, the opening for the movie, you're like, well, damn, this is awesome. <laughs> Definitely catches your eye at the beginning. 
it, Ramble Gamble says the opening, it's the intro is kind of psychedelic. It is, especially with all the <laughs> balloons in the beginning and everything. Like it definitely has that for sure. Um, and then it it also has that that it's probably I think it's coming up in just a second when they sh- when Cobra Commander is, ye- is yelling retreat, uh, and they cut it into like the four like the four boxes on the screen. Like here, yeah, yeah. You'll see. He, he's when he's here. He's on top of the trouble bubble. He and he he calls for retreat. <laughs> Look at this stuff. This is so good. Look, shell casings flying out of the rifle. They don't do that anymore. Yeah, back whenever there were, there was actually rifles. Right. Like everybody had guns. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look at that. How cool is this scene right here? The animation when he pulls the 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 bomb away is so freaking cool. <laughs> that the kickoff too, so good. Mm-hmm. And like, that explosion, hell yep. And this right here when they cut it to the four different angles, <laughs> <laughs> just so good. Like you just want to like even without the sound right now, I'm like ready to go. <laughs> I'm mentally substituting the America fuck yeah from <laughs> Team America. <laughs> but that's another one like G.I. Joe, you know, the cartoon or the comic. And it's funny because actually not that long ago, probably about a couple of months ago, I went back and I pro- I read like the first. I want to say like the first 20 something issues, close to 30 issues of the original G.I. Joe comic. You know, the the Marvel comic from. 85 you know and um it's all on comiXology so if you have comiXology unlimited uh they have the collections on there so i went back and i was reading those old gi joe issues and um it's just so good like it i don't know it's just something about the idea of these are the good guys these are the bad guys and this is what we're doing like you know like, I know it seems so it, it sounds simplistic and it sounds like, you know, almost childish in a way. And I know a lot of like people would try to look down their nose at that kind of thing. But honest to God, nothing works better in storytelling. Well, sometimes Not- the most simplistic thing is the the most profitable and the, mo- and the best kind of story. Like, just nothing works better than defined good guys and bad guys and here's what we're doing and we're just going at it. Like, it's just so like it's quintessential storytelling is what it is. You know, you're just, you have your, your defined good guys, bad guys, they're going to go at it. And especially, you know, obviously GI Joe was, uh, American military. Uh, it just, you know, I mean, obviously clearly patriotic, obviously to go along with the, the theme of the show. And, um, the interesting thing is, is, is when you really stop and look at G.I. Joe, everybody nowadays is always talking about uh, the need for diversity and all that kind of thing. G.I. Joe was hella diverse way back in the day. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I mean, not only did they have different races of people, but they had people from different parts of the country who would talk with different accents based on where they were from in the country. You know, I mean, you had, you know, 
guys from down south, you know, got you know, guys from Louisiana talking with a Cajun accent, guys talking like you had all this different, you know, everybody was different. And I used to love like as a kid getting like the action figures and reading their profiles and where they were from and all that kind of stuff. Like that was like one of the coolest things to me was to see like these guys are from all over the place. You know, and not only what it and I said these guys, but it wasn't just guys, it was guys and girls. You know, mm-hmm. you had Lady J, you had Scarlet, you had Covergirl, you had later on in the movie you introduced Jinx. Like they had all you know, like they had so many different things. And it it's so funny. I mean it just people want to pretend like this stuff didn't exist and you just, you can't erase it. It's like, you can't pretend it never happened. Oh yeah. Well, the unfortunate part is that everyone who is complaining about it, everything for them is solely current year. Right. They oh, don't yeah, want no. to look back at all the, all the good stuff from the past. Right. Because history started the day they were born. Oh Yeah. I know that that is a very unfortunate attitude that a lot of people seem to have. It's like all those people who are like, oh, Black Panther was the first black superhero movie. And it's like, uh, motherfuckers, what about Blade? Yeah, exactly. What about Spawn? Right. Yeah. Like, no, just stop. Like, come on. <laughs> like, it's just... first because the first are your first are actually like thirds. Right. Yeah. Like Ramble Gamble said, exactly. Meteor Man, Blank Man. Yeah. Leonard part six starring that paragon of virtue. (laughs) Recently released from prison. Probably celebrate celebrated with a pudding pop. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, it's just it's funny because you stop and think about it. And as a kid and again, because I grew up, I was, you know, I was born in 75. So 85 G.I. Joe comes out. I'm 10 years old. I am the target for that. Oh, hell yeah. And for me, GI Joe hit everything. I loved GI Joe. I was all in, you know, and, um, never once did I even look at the team and be like, Oh, well, I don't like this person or that person because, Oh, I don't like that one. Cause it's a girl or I don't like that. No, like I did not give a crap. Like it just See, didn't matter. For me, I'd be like, ooh, I like her because she's a girl. Yeah. Like, not for nothing, but like Lady J was popular, so was Scarlet because they were women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like that was the whole point. You know, they cover- know their target demographic. Yeah. Like, listen, <laughs> are their action figures gonna sell as much as the other ones? No. History has proved <sighs> history has proven. That that's just kind of how that goes. However, it doesn't mean that the characters themselves aren't popular. It doesn't mean that people don't want to see them in the comic book or on the, you know, on the TV show or any of that stuff. Like, you know, listen, who doesn't like the Baroness? I see more (laughs) fan art and questionable art featuring the baroness fan art yeah more than any other character from gi joe (laughs) it's a fan art of the more not safe for work type exactly (laughs) which is the best kind right (laughs) (laughs) but it's true like it it, you know come on like it just doesn't matter like people i liked roadblock roadblock was one of my favorites you know 
yeah, I get it. He spoke in rhymes. Oh, that's such a problem. <laughs> Whatever, dude. You know how hard it is to write that freaking dialogue? <laughs> Let me see you do that. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> I dabbled in poetry in my later college years, and let me tell you, that is fucking difficult. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on. Like, it just annoys the crap out of me. <laughs> like, but, like, again, here was something that was 100% patriotic. The U.S. is the good guys. The bad guys were Cobra. They made up bad guys rather than picking any particular country to make the bad guys. However, growing up in the 80s, the Russians were the bad guys. They were always the bad guys. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Like growing up in the eighties, it was always the Russians. Let's be honest. <laughs> like, like it was everything was the bad guys were always Russians. That's just how it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, and that actually brings us to another one that uh it's it's patriotic, but it's also um it's not anything to do with military or anything like that. It is, however, probably the best Rocky movie of the entire series. And that would be Rocky four. <laughs> <laughs> like Rocky four is a hundred percent pure eighties Russia versus the USA distilled down to its core. Like that is exactly what this movie is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, for God's sake, look at his outfit. <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> Apollo Creed and the Uncle Sam outfit is like quintessential. You know, and then of course, you know, the Russian using the steroids and everything else, like, you know. But it's such like I remember though watching this movie and being absolutely heartbroken when Apollo Creed died. Like that was horrible. Like that was absolutely devastating as a kid who grew up watching all the Rocky movies to see this guy kill Apollo Creed was just awful. Like, and so like everybody watching this movie, like literally the people in the movie theaters were like cheering for Rocky at the end of this movie. (laughs) Like, Like I've never seen anything like that. Like people in the movie theater cheering, literally cheering. (laughs) And of course, like, I mean, listen, there's lots of of infamous stuff in this movie, like the training montage. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, Drago has all the uh, the advantages. What? For real? Ramble Gamble says they killed the stream. Hmm. Oh, what the frig? They did. Stream is down. Huh. Here, stop the stop the trailer. Give me a second to jump onto YouTube and let's see if it pops up for me. Cause I know that sometimes whenever like whenever Ethan or like the Jack show are showing something. Huh. That still says unavailable. Still says unavailable. I wonder when it stopped being available. I don't know. Wow, that's crazy. 
For what? For showing a trailer? For showing the G.I. Joe opening or something, maybe? I don't know. What are the... What company does the G.I. Joe trailer? Uh, I don't know who owns it now. Because if they're picky about that stuff, that might be one of the reasons why. Or it might be the Rocky 3 trailer. It went out during the Rocky trailer. That's probably what it was. Give me a second. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. It went out during the Rocky trailer. Okay, it's saying it's still unavailable. Huh. That is strange. Did you get any emails from YouTube about it? Uh, let me see. Yeah, let's see. Because I know that sometimes whenever, like like I said, Ethan or the, or the Jack show show something that's like copyrighted, if they take that part down, then it'll go back up. Or they'll, mm-hmm. or like the stream will come back on and they'll just have that part cut out. It's, yeah, it says streams are interrupted when copyrighted content is detected. After copyrighted material is no longer being streamed, streams are automatically re enabled. Hmm. So is it going to? Uh, I'm going to come back. I'm trying to reload the, the YouTube page to see if it comes back. It's still, oh, it looks like it's back. We are awesome. It looks like it. Alrighty. I'll take a look on my page as well just to make sure. If I can find it. Wow, there's so many streams going on right now. Are there? (laughs) Yep, we are back on. So... Yep. All right, cool. All right, so we're back. Yep, Ramble Gamble also says that he's back. So, okay. I was just hearing like a double voice for a second. (laughs) Oh, geez. I was like, okay, this is weird. Okay, now we're back. Okay, well, I guess we won't be showing the rest of the Rocky Four trailer, which is available (laughs) on YouTube. Just saying. I think, like, (laughs) last time I heard them doing this, I heard that they're okay with you showing it in videos. Yeah, but I heard not on live streams for some reason. Yeah, it's, I don't it's know. It's completely stupid. Yeah, whatever. All right. Well, so we're back. Uh, they tried to keep us down. They tried to take away our freedom <laughs> because we're talking about freedom and liberty. <laughs> Actually, we give us talking. dreams or give us death. <laughs> We were we were just talking about Rocky Four, bro. <laughs> like it's not that big of a deal. Like, come on, you dare suppress us? <laughs> we are the uh, oppressed. This is the stream that's too hot for YouTube. <laughs> Apparently, YouTube tried to take us out. We're still here. <laughs> Wow. You know, it's so crazy. Like, you can't do anything like on a live stream sometimes. Like, it's the most bizarre thing. Like, Mm -hmm. showing stuff. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Amen to that. Exactly. Exactly. They are the cold machine. 
Yeah, exactly. It's mm-hmm. Skynet for sure. It's so it's so stupid though. Like you can't like th- I purposely don't put the audio on on anything because I know that'll get you, especially with the music. Mm-hmm. But like, it, like am I going to be reduced to now? Anytime we talk about something, essentially, I show these clips. We just talk. It's B roll. That's all it is. You watch any show on television; they always just B roll for everything. Mm-hmm. That's essentially why I show these clips. It's just B roll. So now, am I supposed to just? literally only show still photos while we talk about stuff. I guess that's like the only way to get to get around this kind of shit now is either to like <laughs> show still photos, hold up physical things to the camera or <laughs> like am I supposed to like I'll start the tra- I'll put the trailer on my phone and hold my phone up to the camera. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait they would take that down too. They probably They'd would. Be like Oh, you're showing it on your camera. Mm. <laughs> oh Lord. All right. Well, anyway. Now we just need to we just need to wait for like all these like smaller YouTube alternatives to get their live streaming properties and then we can do it there. Yeah, right. <laughs> we could use YouTube to scream stream on there. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bizarre though, the idea that you can get struck or get a stream killed for showing something that is already on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's weird. It is. I, it's bizarre. Whatever. It's over. We're back. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, Rocky four was super patriotic in that just, and it was just a boxing match. <laughs> yeah. You know? like, mm-hmm. And yet it, it epitomized that whole, uh, U.S. versus the Russians thing of the 80s, which was really like, like I said, that was like the thing back in the 80s. Um, I'm so, I'm not even going to, well, this, I'm just going to, I have another tab waiting. I'm not even going to bother with that one. Um, what was it for? Well, I was going to, maybe I'll, I'll bring up a photo because I was talking about, <laughs> we were talking about it's throwing all your tabs into question there, Jam. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but we were talking about, you know, America versus the Russians with Rocky and all that. But one of the other things that totally brought that into play, uh, especially during the 80s, was... There we go. Was... Oh Profe- yeah, professional wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> professional wrestling in the eighties. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I'm gonna take a qu- I'm gonna take a guess and say that one of your B rolls was gonna be Real American with Hulk Hogan. Um, you know what? I wasn't gonna do it. I was gonna do Hacksaw because he always he always came out with the flag. Oh, okay. Um, and with Real American, I feel like you have to play the song. Oh yeah. Like, unfortunately, you would have to, right? Uh, but yeah, in the 80s, like wrestling 100%, like people like Hacksaw Jim Duggan coming out with the flag every match, you know, coming waving the flag, you know, chanting USA, USA, getting the whole crowd going, fighting people like the Iron Sheik mm-hmm. and Nikolai Volkov. And like, oh, are, these... you, are you subscribed to the Iron Sheik on Twitter? Oh, yes. He's fucking hilarious. He is. He's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> All of you jabronis, go fuck yourselves. 
It's you know what's funny is I don't know if he still does it, but uh, a guy I used to be friends with. Uh, not that we're not friends. I just we kind of just drifted apart. Um, he for a while actually was the person. I don't know if he was running Iron Sheik's. Uh, like I don't know what he was doing, but he worked for the Iron Sheik. Like he was doing like his uh promotion or whatever like i'm not sure exactly what his deal was but i know he was working for the iron sheik for a while i don't think he still is but i know he was for a while um just random thing (laughs) (laughs) um in fact you know it's kind of funny there was uh they did all those uh biographies on a and e like for a few weeks they did a whole bunch of new wrestling biographies on A&E mm-hmm. and um, one of them was about Shawn Michaels and they talked about the curtain call at Madison Square Garden if anyone who doesn't know what that is uh, Diesel and Razor Ramon Scott Hall and Kevin Nash had signed new contracts to go to WCW they were leaving the WWF uh, their last match was going to be at a house show at Madison Square Garden if you don't know what a house show is it's a show that's not on television and uh, they had a match, uh, Shawn Michaels versus Diesel, I believe, was the main event in a steel cage. They had the match, Michaels wins, and then Razor Ramon and Triple H, who at the time was still just Hunter Hearst Helmsley, the Connecticut Blue Blood, uh, they all came out to the ring. They hugged one another. They they did. They called it. Every, it became known in wrestling circles as the curtain call. Um, so you had good guys and bad guys in the ring hugging and, and, you know, celebrating together. And it was kind of a weird thing. It was very frowned upon, especially at the time, uh, because you're not supposed to break character like that, uh, especially in front of, you know, 20, 30,000 people at Madison Square Garden. Uh, but the thing that really drove it home was that there was a person in the crowd who, who snuck a video camera into the show and he videotaped the whole thing. And of course, then it got leaked. And that basically caused, there was nothing they could do to Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. They were already leaving the company. Uh, Shawn Michaels was the world champ at the time. So there really wasn't anything they could do to him. Triple H was the only one they could punish. So they kind of buried Hunter for about a year after that, just made him like lose all kinds of matches and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the weird thing about that whole thing was in the A&E documentary, they had the guy who snuck the video camera into the show on the documentary. And it's actually somebody who I know. It's the same guy that I was just talking about who ran the Iron Sheik's stuff for a while. It's the, it's the same guy. Oh, um, that's such a coincidence. It's it's him. And I've known him. I, I knew him for years. And, um, and I knew he was the one who taped it. Like, we all knew. We all had seen the tape and everything. And, um... It was just really funny to see him on the A&E documentary. <laughs> and, like, we're watching it, and I'm pointing him out to my daughter. I'm like, yeah, I know him. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's man- That's Manny. Yeah, we didn't, what, like, we, we we were the ones who got stuck with him in our car one time when we were going to the Chinese buffet. Like, <laughs> like stupid shit. But it was just so weird, just a weird, weird connection. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> all that is to say... Uh, you know, wrestling in the 80s, Hogan, of course, with Real American, uh, you know, obviously Hacksaw Jim Duggan, all the bad guys, you know, 
listen, Sergeant Slaughter always <clears throat> he always was the patriotic character, and then he turned his back on America when he you know he he uh he joined forces with General Adnan and Colonel Mustafa. Uh when they were he basically was uh joining forces to to say he supported Saddam Hussein in Iraq. <laughs> and um that was the whole thing. And then him and Hogan had their whole feud. Um, and that was a big deal. Like Slaughter was like, when he did that, when he turned heel like that, that was a huge thing. He was turning against the country and everything else. And like, he had spent his entire career being the pro America military guy. He was a Marine. He was this, he was that he was a GI Joe figure for God's sakes. You know, he was in the movie, you know, um, I was going to say, did that come about before or after his character okay that well that was that stuff was before like um he was he the character from gi joe is based on him yes okay yes yeah and then this him turning and stuff all happened way after all that um and then eventually he after that whole thing was over he came back and he wanted his country back and he turned back into the normal sergeant slaughter everybody knows uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, and that was also back in the time whenever there's whenever kayfabe was taken like legit. Oh yes. So I can just imagine how many people were just being like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna go kill him." Yeah, well, that was. It's funny because there's a lot of of back and forth about how real uh, WrestleMania Seven was. Hogan versus Slaughter. Slaughter had won the belt at the Royal Rumble from the Ultimate Warrior. Now Hogan was going to try and challenge Slaughter to get the belt back for the United States. And they were scheduled to to have their match at WrestleMania 7. And WrestleMania 7 originally was going to take place at the Los Angeles Coliseum, which was like an it was like an outdoor stadium. Um, like they had the Olympics there and stuff. It's like, it would have sat, it would have seated like a hundred and something thousand people. And they ended up switching it to the LA. I forget where they switched it to. It was from, from the one place to the other. The other place was just an indoor arena, like a normal arena, you know, 20,000, 30,000 people, whatever. Um, and there's a lot of talk back and forth about that. The WWF at the time said that the reason for the change was because they were worried about safety because there had been so many threats against Sergeant Slaughter that they were worried about safety. And so they moved it to this other place. Most people and the consensus in the media, at least in the wrestling community, seems to be that the reason they did that was because ticket sales weren't going as fast as they thought they would. So they moved to a smaller building so that they wouldn't be embarrassed by this giant building not being full, Um, which I tend to believe is probably closer to the truth. (laughs) Um, But both, though. Yeah, I could definitely see the other thing being a concern, though. You know, uh, you hear stories from back in the day of, of things that happen to heel wrestlers, you know, their tires getting slashed and getting a, getting jumped outside of an arena and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like just all kinds of crazy, crazy stuff, <laughs> um, especially, you know, back in the day, you know, uh, you know, when people really were like when kayfabe was 100 percent a thing, you know, I remember it was a huge deal when. The Iron Sheik and Hacksaw Jim Duggan got arrested together. (laughs) 
they got pulled over. They were like in upstate New York or something. And Weren't they, they like smoking weed. And yeah. They got arrested? Yeah. They were like drunk and they were smoking weed and they got arrested <laughs> together. And that was like it. Like at that point, like when that happened, I'm pretty sure that was. She got fired. And I think Duggan got suspended or fired and then they ended up bringing Duggan back and then Sheik they didn't bring back for a long time until they eventually brought him back to be Colonel Mustafa when they turned uh Slaughter a heel um but it was a long time he was gone because like they were just like you can't do that you're a good guy you're a bad guy you literally are fighting each other on all these house shows we're having right now we can't have you seen together getting arrested in the same car yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny to see like how much it's changed since then i know it's like like i subscribed to uh seamus's youtube channel the Celtic okay. warrior workouts just goes through like all these various different people it doesn't matter if they're face or a heel and it's just like you could never imagine that going down. Oh, no. 30 years ago. Yeah. Oh, no, no way. No way would that be allowed. I mean, they wouldn't even be allowed to admit that they were friends at one time. <laughs> like him and Drew McIntyre are very close friends. Mm-hmm. Like they post pictures all the time on Instagram and stuff of them and their families together and they're doing stuff and, and all that kind of like they would never be allowed to acknowledge that back in the day. Like mm-hmm. unless they were like a team. And then if they broke up, then they would have to pretend like they never saw one another in real life ever again, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is just really funny. Like it's, it's honestly genuinely pretty funny. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh, it's like, it's like, what is it? It's like a male drama. Oh, it definitely is. Yeah. And it's like, it's funny because like back in the day, they would not, they wouldn't be able to do that. And it's like, you're supposed to be acting like 24 seven. Right. Yeah. That's what it is. You were, you were that character all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, if you re- it's funny. Cause if you read some of the, like a lot of the wrestlers, like Mick Foley wrote his book. And then after that happened, like everybody came out with a book. And, um, if you read a lot of their books, it's really funny. Like some of the stuff that they did to keep up kayfabe outside of the ring. Um, like Ted DiBiase talks about it in his book, Vince McMahon used to just give him money <laughs> to spend. Like he literally told him like, you are the million dollar man. You don't pay for anything with a bill. That's less than a hundred. Like he literally would just give him a fat roll, a hundred dollar bills. Like, and if he went to the store or what he had to pay with a hundred dollar bill. So if he was buying like a pack of gum, he had to pay with a hundred dollar bill. <laughs> hey Vince, can I have that job? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Like of all the gimmicks to get, that's the one to have. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I no, want, they, please give me money. <laughs> yeah, they they absolutely like it was it was hardcore the way they used to hold on to kayfabe back in the day. Uh, now it's just non-existent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of a shame. It's it, it's kind of fun. I, I would um, say it's good for it's good for the the wrestler because they can actually yeah. live their life and not be completely crazy. But yeah, it 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 doesn't really help the the stories as well. 
yeah it, it, it's i feel you know what i almost feel like i feel like um it would be better if at least like if you see them in person that's one thing that's that's one thing like totally di- like if they're going about their day and you happen to run into them somewhere or something like whatever they don't need to be in character but i feel like on their social media and stuff like at least if they stayed in character there it would at least be something some of them do from there time be, to there time. could be a way around that they could have like their like official wwe branded social media right and then they can have their own personal social media under their actual name right well that would be the way to do it like i think i, I think that would be what i would do if i was one of them i would have a my character name and it would never tweet anything other than storyline stuff Mm-hmm. And then if I needed to have my own personal one because I wanted one, I would just have my own personal one under my name, you know. Yeah. I mean there are there are some wrestlers who who just like <laughs> they do embody their character sometimes. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Like like Ziggler. Uh-huh. Like he he can portray himself as the cocky asshole. Oh on yeah, his yeah, social yeah. media too, but it's like we get that you're not like actually like that. Right. Like he does, he does some funny stuff I've seen from time to time. Like he'll tweet at other wrestlers and like do stuff in character. And like, that's mm-hmm. always funny. Like, Oh yeah. yeah. Like it's fun when they, when they have fun with it, you know? Uh, but yeah, no, back in the day in the, like, like I said, in the eighties, it was hardcore. And one of the biggest things back then was always like the United States, the guy from the U S is the hero. And then the foreign invader is always the bad guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I'll never forget. There was a show. There was a, in the early days of Monday Night Raw, they did a show from England. And Hacksaw Jim Duggan was on the show. I don't remember who he was fighting. But he had his match. And he literally, now they're in England they're at some some arena in in like london or wherever they were and hacksaw jim duggan is in the ring and hacksaw is doing his thing he's doing his whole usual shtick and at one point he starts chanting usa to get the crowd behind and the crowd in in england is chanting usa usa i was not expecting that he did <laughs> it's the funniest thing like it's so it's so crazy like he literally had this building full of people in england chanting usa usa oh boy that is is surprising that is charisma right there it's great it's absolutely hysterical like the fact that he even attempted it and then the fact that it worked Mm -hmm. is just amazing I almost wonder if maybe like he had one of those moments where he just like forgets what stadium he's in. Right. And he I, just I suddenly just like that. went along with it and just like Oh yeah, no, I could that's I actually could totally, pretty funny. I could totally see like he forgot he was in another country. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like it's like Hulk Hogan forgetting what stadium he's in. Yeah, oh listen, th- these people like th- with especially back then, the amount of dates they did on the road. And the oh, amount yeah. of places they were in, having to try and keep that stuff straight. I'm definitely not saying that I could remember which ones it was in. Right, but... that's what I'm saying. Like the amount of places they were, because they were on the road seven days a week back then. Like, 
I could easily see somebody forgetting what building they're in or what state they're in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and based on some of the stories that I would hear from like their like backstage interviews from uh-huh. like the uh, ones that they would have on like YouTube and they would talk about crazy shit that they would do on the road. Right. I can not even imagine how to keep everything straight. Oh yeah. No. And listen, you just look at Hacksaw and you just kind of think like I don't know if he ever knows where he is. <laughs> like, exactly. He's just he's just one of those guys. <laughs> it's like it's like Hacksaw, what's your favorite country in the world? America. <laughs> he's like it's like where were you born? America. What's your favorite fruit? America. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, you think about it, like all he ever said, like in his promos would be like, you know, I'm going to beat you up and, you know, whatever, whatever. Tough guy. Oh, <laughs> that was it. Like, that's what he would do. Like, he was just nuts. <laughs> And yet somehow he got over. Everybody loved him. He like barely ever won a match. Honestly, like he never beat like <laughs> like he never beat anybody worthwhile. He would beat like whenever they would do because this was back in the day when all the TV matches were always like Hacksaw Jim Duggan versus some scrub you never heard of, you know. Um, so he would win those matches. But anytime he had like a real opponent, he always would lose. Like he would lose constantly. <laughs> but it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was the same thing like tito santana was the same way like he used to he lost tons of matches he would he would beat scrubs and then he would have a a match against like a real guy that they were trying to build up and he would lose yeah (laughs) they were just to enhance the guys who were coming up basically uh it's like he has a name we've seen him win matches against you know Dwayne gill and barry hardy and these guys you know but uh (laughs) When it comes time to for him to fight the Mountie, no, he's gonna lose because <laughs> we're we're building up the Mountie to be the new Intercontinental Champion. So sorry, mm-hmm. Tito, you got to go down. <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually, the Mountie found himself in that same role. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, continuing on, I have him in the thumbnail. He's up in the corner there. Uh, we should probably get to probably the most obvious patriotic comic book character and that would be captain america of course um mm-hmm. it's funny because when i put him in the thumbnail i honest to god was not even thinking about the movies um which is kind of funny like i almost like forget the movies exist like because i feel like they just they made too damn many movies and like like i don't know it just got so like uh, every six months, there was another Marvel movie coming out, and it was yeah. like there's too much, uh, too much of the crisscrossing. Uh, yeah, like so, like I don't even think. Although, although I have to, I have to admit, I really enjoyed the very the first Captain America, the first Avenger, that movie. I liked that movie a lot. I know a lot of people like Winter Soldier better, but I really enjoyed the first one. Uh, I just enjoyed the the idea that they had so much of it take place back in the day. Like I thought that was cool. <clears throat> Um, cause you only get one shot to do that. Oh yeah. You know, you only get one chance to do that. You do it in the first movie. And if you do it as like, well, the first 10 minutes of the movie takes place during world war two. And then the rest of it is after he wakes up in the future. Like you could do that, but like, why not actually spend the first movie there? You know? Mm-hmm. And it was cool. I liked that. They did that. I thought that was cool. Um, yeah, and you only get one chance to tell the character's origin. Right. 
you know, so unless you're making Spider-Man or Batman movies, in which case you tell the yeah. origin every movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so unless unless you're DC or Sony. Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I mean, Cap, I used to read Cap back in the day. Um, I always enjoyed Cap. I always liked Cap. Um, I liked I always like Cap's design, his costume design. I, you know, it's simple, but it's so effective. You know, it's mm-hmm. just this like iconic, simple design. Um, I used to have we used to have arguments, me and my friends, about whether or not because like sometimes they would draw him with like the scales, like on his oh, costume. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I know so what you're talking about. We used to have arguments about is that chainmail? Is that something else? Like, why does it have that? <laughs> like. <laughs> I could probably see it being something that would probably like deflect like blades or something. That was my always my assumption was it's not chain mail. It's just some sort of like armored fabric in very much the same way. They used to always say like the Punisher's costume was like Kevlar, but like it's dude, it's freaking spandex. We can see every <laughs> muscle and vein in the guy's body. How is that stopping a bullet? Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> like, I get it. It's comics. I don't care. It's fine. You tell me it's Kevlar. I'll go along with you on it. I don't. Mm-hmm. It's fine. I don't need I like, it. To I like the Thomas Jane Punisher design. That was a badass. I just like, um, I'm talking about like just in the comics. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't need it to be realistic in the comics. I hate when people go for overly realistic costumes in the in comic books that annoys the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, I would much rather the bright colors, the the spandex, whatever, like go for it, you know? Um, but yeah, like cap back in the day was always like, he was always, um, the, like a pure good guy. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he was a quintessential hero and, you know, that was something that made him special. That was something I feel like. That made him, you know, not that the other people weren't heroes, but you had all kinds of different characters. You had people like the Punisher and you had people like Wolverine and that kind of stuff. But you always had Cap and Cap was always going to do the right thing. Even if it wasn't the easy thing, he was always going to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, he's Captain America. He's supposed to represent the very best of America. He's supposed to mm-hmm. be the best of what American, you know, ideals have to offer. And um, so that's why, like nowadays, to see the things they've done to Cap over the years, it's not even like it's the same character anymore. It, there's been so many, so much nonsense done to him, and I really feel like, uh, unfortunately, because he is so quintessential a representative of America, he is the target for anyone who dislikes anything about America to try to get their hands on. You know, he's the prize to try to get your hands on because if you can get your hands on him, you can make him say and do things that Captain America should not be saying or doing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's which is pretty much what they're doing right now. Like with that United right. States of Captain America bullshit they're doing. Even before that, though, like it's been going on for years now. Like they've just been they've absolutely poisoned Captain America to the point where uh, it's the character is not even, uh, it's just not even the same character. Like they, they pulled that hail Hydra stuff a couple of years ago. It's just like, Oh yeah. What the fuck are you doing? Right. 
Right. And it wasn't even like I would have been okay with that if you if you do like, oh, it turns out it's part of a plan. He's going to go deep within Hydra and he's going to root them out from the inside. And it was all part of a plan. And and the him saying hail Hydra was just a shocker moment, you know, to get people talking and whatever. like, that's fine. I get that. You can do that. It's not a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the same way of like, uh, you know, there's a, there was a cover of, uh, I think it was, I don't remember what book it was, but it was Spider-Man and, and Punisher on the cover. And you see Peter Parker it was, he wasn't dressed as Spider-Man. It was just Peter Parker and Punisher basically has like an Uzi pointed to his head. And he's like, I know who you are, Peter Parker. I know your secret. And then when you go through it, it turns out he thinks something else entirely. He doesn't realize he's Spider-Man. Like the implication of course, is to get you to buy the book. He's like, Oh crap. He knows he's Spider-Man. Oh yeah. Um, you know? So like, if you want to pull something like having cap say hail Hydra and look like he's joining Hydra. Mm-hmm. All right. That's fine. I'm cool with that. You know, like that's, you know, it's fine. You can do stuff like that. It's like but... get the intrigue for the cover. Yeah. But when you actually say, oh, no, he's been working for Hydra the whole time. That's where you have a problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. <clears throat> not, not, not only do you have a problem because it just ruins the character, but you also have the problem of logically that makes no sense. Because how many times has he foiled Hydra's plans? Like that, it literally just doesn't make sense there's no logic to it mm-hmm. he's like he would be written by the same people who they think that history started the day that they were born right like why would he foil all these plots for all these years and then suddenly be like no this is the time when i will reveal it like, like makes no sense <laughs> that's just dumb <laughs> like so like at that that's where you have a problem it's the same listen it's the same problem that people have still not been able to get over with the whole Spider-Man clone saga thing, you know, to tell people that the Peter Parker, that the Spider-Man that they've been following for all these years is not the real Spider-Man. He's the clone. Well, how do you like, how do you do that to the readers who've been reading all this time? Mm -hmm. Like there's, there's no good way to do that. I know when you're doing it, when you're thinking of the idea, you're thinking, Oh, this is cool. This is going to shock people. This is going to be, at the end of the day, it's just going to annoy people. It's yeah. not going to, it's not going to be this great, like plot twist, awesome thing. That everyone's going to be talking about. It's just going to be like, well, that was fucking stupid. And I wasted my time. Sorry. And not buying anymore. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. They don't know the difference between good shock and bad shock. Right. They just think, Oh, it's a shock. It's a plot right. twist. Yeah, it's a twist for the sake of a twist that has no actual logic. There's no internal logic to it. It just doesn't make sense story-wise. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's where, like, it's a shame what they what's happened to Cap. But at this point, like, Captain America has been so diluted and and just just you know like run into the ground that I, I really think the only I don't know if there's a way to save it, honestly, unless it's just a matter of literally just wiping out all of history and starting over like, and that never is a great solution. I mean, how many times have companies tried to do that with reboots and stuff like that? And it's never a great way to go. I think the only way that they could do that and make it work with the continuity that we're talking about 
is when did one more day come out for spider-man uh well that was years ago um i don't remember the exact year okay i know that they're talking about undoing that okay so i see where you're you're going the only way that they could possibly do that and get all these characters back to the way that they should be right is completely undoing everything right and the more from that point from that point yeah yeah i mean i could see that i could definitely see that but but again it wouldn't happen just because oh, of, you're still going to have the same people writing this stuff anyway so it's not going to mm-hmm. change nothing's going to change yeah um yeah they wouldn't want to get rid of the all new all different marvel right yeah no it's not none of it's going to change even if they did even if even if a mandate came down from up above that said, you know, if Mickey sent a letter down saying, you know, hey, go back to here and, and get your shit together. Right. Like, get rid of all this crap you did and start back from here. And, and it's a refresh restart from here. Even then, it's still going to be the same people writing these stories. So it's the same people writing the crappy stories now are still going to be writing. Yeah, the they, crappy just do, stories. they just do their own <laughs> little reboot of their crappy stories. Right. <laughs> But this is the danger of a character. Um, you know, when you have a character who, you know, doesn't belong to any one person. Uh, you know, you've got a character that belongs to a company. And so you're going to have this rotating group of people coming in and going out and coming in and going out who are writing these characters. Uh, it's very easy for the wrong person to come in, take over the character and then put all sorts of the wrong types of dialogue into that character's mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's the danger of a character that is owned by a company, not by a person, a creator. You know, if there's a creator and there's one creator and they own the character and they're writing the stories, then listen, even if if you don't like the choices they make, it is what it is. It's their character. You Mm -hmm. know, when it's when it's other people, it's just it's just different. I think it's also a problem of having a character that has gone through so many different people like creating for him Uh and not having a set ending to it. Well, that's that's a that's a problem, honestly, with comics in general, Mm -hmm. like especially when it comes to uh, Western American comics. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, you're kind of stuck. I I, I get it. Like, I I get that. It's definitely something that the the comic companies in the West are stuck with because that's pretty much what everyone is used to. Right. And with everyone being the way that they are and creators being the way that they are, they're going to have a heck of a lot harder time making new characters. Sure. Rather than getting these older characters and sort of adjusting them to current day. Granted, there is ways to do it. Yeah. Oh like, yeah. Of if course. you put Cap in the right creator's hands, they could make him work. Sure. But Absolutely. If you put Cap or Spider-Man or Iron Man or any of them, into a shitty creator's work like they are now. Right. And you're not going to have, you're, you're pretty much going to be killing the character faster than what they would be if they made a new character. 
Well, it, it's kind of funny. I mean, you've got, it, there's this tendency for, uh, for whatever reason, there's a tendency at Marvel to put the writer of, to, to pick to be the writer of Captain America. It seems like you have to always pick someone who seemingly hates America mm-hmm. to be the writer of Captain America. Now, I'm going to say something people probably won't agree with. I think you can do that if the writer is a professional writer, a real writer who is willing to sublimate their own ideas and write the character as the character. And that is where the problem is, is where it's it's character over personal view. Right. Whereas everything in DC, Marvel, IDW, Image, all of those places, it's switched around. Right. Yeah, it's it's I'm going to write myself and my views in here as opposed to writing the character as the character. Mm -hmm. You know, and and unfortunately, now it's been so long that that's been going on that these characters themselves have have pretty much lost their characteristics. They have lost the things that make them unique. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like you can say, well, listen, it kind of got away for a while. We're going to bring in a new writer. He's going to go back to what we know this character as. Cause honestly, what do we even know this character is anymore? It's been through so many changes and so many different writers and so much nonsense. The, the established to find an established characterization. You've got to go back decades to go back yep. to when they had a firm personality Everyone is the same now. Uh, when you read a lot of these characters, they're all the same. There, there's no distinction between them, and it's just bizarre. You know, they're all variations of the exact same character, and that's a problem. Yeah, it's like <laughs> like what twenty spider people swinging around. New right. York? Well, that's yeah, that's a whole nother issue. Just the 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 fact that they've made so many different versions of these characters that they're just not even special anymore. Um, and they're doing that with cap right now. They're having all these different captain Americas. He's going to meet all over the country, which honestly, well, captain America. Yeah. They're the captain Americas you get when you order from wish. Um, <laughs> like you could have, you could have made an interesting story out of that. Like, if you would have done something where now I don't think you could do it with, he's going to go to, I don't think you could keep it interesting. If he's going to go to a bunch of different States and cities and meet all these different captain, right? Like that, I think eventually it would just wear thin after like three. It'll but like, course. It'll, but, there'll be a ton of YouTube videos coming out about it. Uh, it's so crap. But I'm but like, yeah, like, I think, I think you could make an interesting story. I mean, there's been times where, Captain America has lost his powers. There's times when Captain America, when Steve Rogers was not Captain America anymore, when he was nomad and you know, a bunch of different stuff they've done over the years. Now, if you were to do something along those lines where let's say cap loses his abilities and maybe suffers some sort of horrible defeat and he loses his abilities and he's traveling somewhere and he comes across one of these like young kids or whatever, who was always inspired by captain America, who 
is fighting for some sort of justice in their little corner of the world and their little corner of the United States, like whatever it might be, they're fighting for something and, and, and maybe they're getting their ass handed to them, but they're still fighting and that can help to reignite the spirit within cap to understand that there's more to it than just the super soldier serum, just the shield, just the power. It's about him Instead of, you know, it's about the person inside. It's not just about the costume and the shield and the super soldier serum and, and eventually have him work his way back to be, to realizing he can be a hero without it. And there's some interesting stories you could tell that way. And you would do one of these people who maybe dresses up in a homemade Captain America outfit to fight a bunch of like whatever gangsters or gang members or whatever in a neighborhood trying to protect the neighborhood and protect the kids of the neighborhood, like something along those lines. And it's an inspirational thing for him. And then he goes back and then eventually he works his way back to being, you know, he gets eventually, of course, he'll have to get the powers back and the shield and all that. But like the idea of, well, he lost his shield and uh, you know, so now he's going to travel around to meet all these cosplay Captain America's everywhere. Like it's just, I don't know. It's just so bizarre. (laughs) <laughs> like it really is yeah it's, it's just gonna be a showcase for their diversity standards like and it's the craziest <clears throat> thing because you could have actually made like a cool character out of like the kid who dresses up like cap and is fighting against all odds and this kid could be anything this kid could be like a little hispanic kid in some neighborhood somewhere who was inspired by captain america and is fighting against the, the, you know, the cartels and maybe it's down on the border and he's fighting against the cartel. And, you know, he's like, you know, cap ends up down there and be, cap becomes cap inspired him. And then the kid inspires cap. Like, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's not that hard. Like, <laughs> like oh, yeah. it, it, you know, but you have to be willing to like, not just do like, well, we're just going to make a bunch of these. Like you have to no. know, What's the purpose? What's the storytelling purpose of making all of these? There is none. There is none. I'm honestly, I am willing to bet that right now it's nine o'clock where I am. Right. You and I could probably come up with a better story than what they're telling by ten o'clock. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure because this whole thing was created. I guarantee you it was created with the idea of we should have a whole bunch of diverse Captain Americas. Okay, mm-hmm. that that's an idea. That's not a story. Like it's it's not a story. Exactly. It's <laughs> it's solely a concept right. that they're throwing out there, and they're just like, we don't know what we're doing, but do we have a lot of we have a black Captain America? Like we're just gonna we have make a, a bunch of Captain America. Right. We have we're a just gay make, one, and we're gonna give them all a backup story in an issue, and we're never gonna see them again. Hmm. Because like, the issues aren't going to sell, and they're going to be like, "Oh, they're they're a throwaway character." Yeah, well, that's the whole point. Like, they're just throwaway characters. That's all they are. Like, they're not meant to have any long lasting impact. They're they're just not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas, the, if you... the the only reason they have a longer impact now is because of so many people ragging on them. Yeah, exactly. Which they deserve. <laughs> yeah, if you if you actually, you know, wrote a story first. And then figured this idea of like, oh, we can actually do this thing where there's a kid and he's dressing up and whatever. Like you can turn it into something. And then 
listen, down the road, someone else could revisit that kid, age him up a little bit. And then next thing you know, that kid is a superhero or something like, you know what I mean? There's there's things you can do with that. And that's long term storytelling. But no one no one nowadays is thinking about long term storytelling either. Mm-hmm. Um, They're just be- thinking about their next story or their next because they're being hired. Deal. They're being hired. Like a lot of these people are being hired. It, and and honestly, truthfully, it's not even really their fault. They're being hired to write four issues, six issues, and then they're gone. You know, mm-hmm. no one's doing runs like they used to do back in the day where someone would be on a book for three years, four years, where they were thinking long term because they were going to be telling those stories in the long term. You know, mm-hmm. they don't have that anymore. And there's also... Um, unfortunately, and this is something that there is no way you can fix this. Uh, unfortunately, they all figured out that they are, they figured out that they're hired, you know, they're hired guns. They're hired to come on, do this gig and then move on to the next gig. So unless you happen to get lucky and find a person who has a genuine care and love for the character and for the medium and who wants to set up success going forward, even after they're gone, it's not going to happen because they don't have any incentive to. There's just no incentive for a writer who's being hired to write four issues to do anything thinking ahead. Mm-hmm. There's, just, there's just not. And especially and, and, for characters that they don't own. Right. If they well, that's just anything, it. Then the company's going to own it. Exactly, and that's just it. And they know that. And mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that creators back in the day didn't know that. They did know that. They just also said, "Well, I want this to be good stuff going forward. I'm in charge of this character for I don't know how long it'll be. You know, my contract says you know it might be you know a year or whatever it's going to be, but I don't know how long it'll be, but I'm going to be in charge of this character. I'm going to be a caretaker for this character for a certain amount of time. And so I want to leave it in a better place than I found it. If I can, I want to tell good stories while I'm here. And I don't want to just completely flush the whole thing down the toilet. And I don't want to be, and this is a big thing. I don't want to be the guy who gets the book canceled. Like that was the other thing. Because mm-hmm. if you happen to get pulled, put on one of these books and then it was your run that got that book canceled, well, chances are you weren't getting hired again. Whereas yep. nowadays, it's just irrelevant. Exactly. You get promotion by sucking. Yeah, you're going to get hired again. There's no doubt it's you're like, going to get hired again. Oh, you got your <laughs> Squirrel Girl book canceled four different times or your Captain Marvel book cam- right. canceled four different times. We're going to make you vice president of the company. Right. Yeah, uh, we'll relaunch it again. Who cares? You know, like the like it, it's just re- it's insane. It's absolutely insane. Um but this is the problem that we've run into now where uh you've got a character like a Captain America who is this iconic character in terms of recognition People know him when they see him, even even when Cap's books were not selling at all back in the day, like when those books were in the toilet, because they were for a while, like Iron Man, Captain America. Well, there's a reason why I know they, 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 they just did it. They're doing it again. Heroes Reborn. But there was a reason why they did the original Heroes Reborn, where they brought back the guys who left for image to relaunch Captain America and Iron Man and all that kind of stuff. They brought those guys back because those guys could sell. 
and they knew the books would sell and they did. Everybody mm-hmm. can make fun of that Liefeld Captain America cover all they want. That shit sold. You know what's funny with that Liefeld Captain America cover? Recently, I've been I've been like trying to work out more, and I've okay. seen like a lot of like um like bodybuilder motivational videos and all sorts of that shit. There are some guys that look like that, and I'm like, oh yeah. I wonder if Liefeld is going for that look and not like the the more. Like muscular but lean, right? Look. No, I think and he they just were like, was. okay, let's make fun of this, right? It's yeah. it's still a funny cover, but I'm just listen. Want, I just think I was gonna say funny. when you look at it, it, it is a funny looking drawing. It is. Oh, it yeah. does look. It does I'm look. De- I'm off. I'm definitely not disagreeing with that. No, when you see it, it does look off. But the bottom line was that thing sold. People bought that mm-hmm. book. People bought all those books. And the funny thing was, before that. Well, actually, right before that, Cap was actually having a bit of a resurgence, um, which, believe it or not, Mark Wade was writing and Ron Garney was drawing. And that book was having a resurgence. Uh, people were starting to go, oh, wow, this is good. Cap's getting good again. And it was starting to it was starting to, to, to gradually sell. It wasn't enough. They had already had the deal in place. So that run was cut short and they did Heroes Reborn. And the thing is, in the short term, and this is the thing I've found over the years is comics always chases the short term money anyway. Um, you know, the 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 Wade Garney run was was slowly going up in sales. The Heroes Reborn thing just went whoop and just shot it right up to here. So, I mean, in the short run, they got what they wanted. You know, um, I don't know. Maybe that other run would have been a better in the long term. But. Bottom line was they got what they wanted. They brought in the big names. They made sales. Those books were selling way more all of a sudden than they had ever done in years at that point. Because again, as a lot of people don't know if they weren't actually comic book fans, Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, all those guys, the Avengers were all C tier characters back in the day. Like they were not the big money makers. Nobody really cared about them. Honestly, they had their hardcore fans, but they were not the big sellers. It was X-Men and Spider-Man. That's what was selling. <laughs> um, so it's just kind of interesting. But like, you know, this is the problem, you know, with a character that is not owned by a person that's, you know, it, it's the it's the fragility of a character like that. There's a a, a real. Uh, whatever you want to call it, there's a vulnerability of a character like that, where it is mm-hmm. being handled by so many different people. You know, all it takes is one bad actor to ruin that. Um, that's why it's it's interesting, actually. Speaking of Liefeld, uh, he actually just had a new book come out uh, through Archie Comics. Actually, um, huh. it's called uh, it's called something. It's it's got there's a title above it, and then it's called The Shield. Um, I forget the name of it. Let me see if I can find it real quick. I think I've um, heard of that. It just came out. Um, it's actually what's interesting is it, it just came out. Yeah, the Mighty Crusaders, the Shield uh, number one. That's the book. Um, it um, there. Uh, my understanding, at least, is that these were. I don't know if they were um, public domain characters. 
Oh, I didn't mean to do that one. Um, That sounds like a public domain character that I remember. I think I think that the deal with this is that they're all um, is that they're all public domain characters. Um, I think I had heard him talking about that on Twitter at one point. Yeah, this is the book, The Mighty Crusaders, number one, The Shield. Um, he's actually writing it, which is interesting. Um because you don't think of Liefeld too much in, about his writing often. Um, but he did uh, He did the cover. He definitely did. There's a, 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 I read it. It's actually not bad. <laughs> I can tell by the wrist um, gauntlets. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, he did the cover. He did. There's one spread inside that he definitely did. Um, I don't know if he drew the whole book or not. I don't think he did. But I'm not positive on that. Um but it's not bad. It's intro. It, it's basically a, it's a very introduction heavy issue. So they're introducing a lot of the characters that are involved and all that. Um, but the Was idea Frigga talking about helping Rob with some of that stuff. Oh, I don't know. Cause I think that he was talking about inking some, some pages for him, but I don't know if it was for this project per se. Oh, I'm not sure his name. I, I didn't see Dan's name in the credits. Huh. Uh, so maybe they're talking about something else, or maybe he's talking about a later issue, even. Maybe. Um, but they he was talking about him and several other people were doing work with Rob. So maybe it's on this series. Maybe. Um, but yeah, because there's a bunch of characters in it, so I don't know if the plan is for them to do uh, books for the other characters as well, or if it's just meant to be... Uh, you know, one series with all the characters in it uh, that I'm not sure about. I don't really know a lot of the details around it. I just saw, I saw Rob tweeting about it and then I just happened to see it was available on Comixology. It was part of unlimited. Uh, so I didn't even have to buy it. I could just read it as part of my subscription on there. So I read it. Um, like I said, it's very introduction heavy, um, mm -hmm. but it's not, it's not bad. I mean, and the idea is that he's this patriotic character. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. The introduction or I guess reintroduction, cause it is an older character, um, of a character like that. Um, I do feel like there's an opening for that though. Yeah. Whenever it comes to someone like Liefeld, someone who demonstrates that they are still passionate about making comics, I feel like there's much more possibility with him like people people like him and um mcfarlane uh -huh. like that level of comic creator those guys i would put much more faith into than like max visaggio or v Ayala. oh yeah like, yeah them i could see them pulling this stuff off right definitely like I, I, this there looks like there's actually some passion behind it yeah, he, he, you know, when I saw him uh, talking about it on Twitter and stuff, and he seemed pretty excited about the project. So um, it's definitely it'll be interesting to see, like, what becomes of it. I, I also wonder, um, you know, it's it's Archie Comics. So I'm interested in that idea, the, the, the idea that Archie Comics wants to get into the superhero game. Now, I, like, I find that very interesting. Um, 
because they have resources, you know, they certainly mm -hmm. have resources. They have distribution. Oh, yeah. Um, in fact, Archie's probably got better distribution than most, most because you see Archie comics in supermarkets and all over the place. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if they go that route with this. Like, will this be alongside that stuff on in the supermarket or not? I don't know. Um, it'll be interesting to see, though. I, I'm curious to see where they go with it. And if they want to do more, uh, I'd be really curious to see what happens and what comes of it. If you're spending the money to have a name like Liefeld involved, um, you know, obviously you're serious or at least semi somewhat serious about doing this. So it's mm -hmm. an interesting thing to see happen. And I'd be curious. I'm curious to see where it's going to go. I mean, like I said, I read the first issue, you know, and uh, it was good. It was all right. You know, it wasn't the greatest thing I ever read. It wasn't the worst thing I ever read. It was fine. It was an introductory. It's it's tough sometimes with first issues and introductions and that kind of thing. Um, and there's definitely uh, some sort of like a multi I don't know if it's multi realities or multiple time, like whatever, there's something like that going on in there too. So that makes it even more complicated. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes and you know, how it gets pulled off, but um, I'm interested, you know, I'm certainly interested mm -hmm. to see. And I do think that that space for a patriotic hero is wide open. Oh, definitely. Um, I, where else is there one? Like, you know, because like we said, Cap is not Cap anymore. So, I, you know, who's going to do it? Like, mm -hmm. is is someone going to do it? And are they going to be able to pull it off? We'll see. Um, but it'll be it'll be interesting to see. I'm curious to see. Like I said, I think it looks, you know, it was it was the first issue was fine. We'll see what happens with it. Um, I mean, it certainly has like that Rob Liefeld style to the artwork and stuff. A um, lot of, you know, a lot of cross etching, lots of faces, mm -hmm. with lo lots of lines and, you know, so there's the wrist gauntlets and there was no feet on the cover. So <laughs> two things right there. You know what? It was funny. He did a, he posted something the other day. He did a variant cover for somebody. And um, I don't even remember what it was for. Uh, it was a female character. I can't remember what it was though, but he, he, he 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 himself joked. He tweeted out the cover and he wrote like, "Where did I hide the feet?" Like you know, like <laughs> like he even he jokes about it. Like yeah, oh yeah, that's whenever you know that they're just like they're in good, they're a good sport. Right. Whenever they can poke fun of themselves. Well, he's listen. He's his career and his history is enough that like any like. All the, sh the, sh the the people out there who want to talk smack about him or about his art style and all that kind of stuff, like, dude, you don't understand. Rob Liefeld has more money from what he does from his artwork that you want to make fun of. <laughs> He's got more money than you will possibly ever get. Mm -hmm. And he married the, the girl who was on like one season of Saved by the Bell. So... <laughs> there's that too <laughs> um just really like you know just like it's just funny like you know people like to to rip on it but like honestly like if you were him would you care what anybody says like really <laughs> i wouldn't no why would you <laughs> like, like he's got zero reason to care what anyone says about his artwork uh, it's the same. Listen, it's the same thing. If you were Todd McFarlane, it's the same thing. If you're Jim Lee, it's the same thing. If you're any of these guys, like whatever, like if you want to knock something I drew, 
go ahead. Like it's still, I could take my worst, you know, if you're one of these guys, you could take your, their worst drawing, sell it at auction and probably get more for that one drawing than these people are making in a year. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. like it is what it is. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. It just is what it is. Like you have mm -hmm. to understand like where these guys are. It's very easy to, to make fun of Liefeld and the feet and the giant shoulder pads and the pouches and all that kind of stuff. Dude laughs about it all the time. Mm -hmm. I, I caught him once on an Instagram live and somebody wrote something about like, uh, somebody wrote something about like, Oh, I'm designing a character and they only have like two pouches. Should I add more? And he was like, yes, add a million pouches. Like he was all over Like he thought it was funny. <laughs> like he doesn't care. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so anyway, uh, I think we covered a lot of patriotic media. Oh yeah, uh, we definitely did. The one other thing I have up in the up in the corner there, like right above your head, that's actually the pavilion for the American Adventure at Disney World. Hmm. Uh, and the re the reason I put that I was there, wondering what that was. Yeah, the reason I put that there is because it's not technically media, I guess. Although there's a film as part of it, there's animatronics, there's all kinds of stuff. It's a really cool. Uh, it's a really cool attraction. Um, it's very long and it's literally cool. The air conditioning in there is always pumping. So if you're in Florida in the middle of the summer, it's a good attraction to go into to cool off for a while. Um, people always fall asleep in there because you go in there and that AC is pumping and you're just like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's cool. It's it's a whole thing that's hosted by Mark Twain and Benjamin Franklin. Huh. And um, it's way more interesting than uh, the Hall of Presidents. Um, it's, it's basically the story of America and it's very interesting because they talk about the civil war. They talk about all kinds of different stuff. And, um, the reason I put that in there and I wanted to make sure to include that is because, um, there's a weird thing happening at Disney company wide and, and, and culturally and everything else. And it's really funny to watch them try to reconcile within themselves. Um, Walt Disney was a patriot. Walt Disney was a very patriotic American. He was proud to be American. He was proud of the country. He was proud of where he came from. He was proud to be able to be a success here. He understood that his success would only happen here. Um, and you know, I know people listen, I love Walt Walt's an inspiration of mine. And I know a lot of people like to talk smack about Walt too. Most of the shit they say is not true. Um, his head is not frozen somewhere. He wasn't <laughs> anti-Semitic. Look, all this nonsense that people like to throw out about him is just horseshit. That's been thrown over the years. And the reason why Hollywood likes to throw that stuff on top of it is because Walt did testify at the committee against, uh, anti-American activities vocally against the communists in Hollywood. <laughs> Um, and that's part of the reason why people to this day still in Hollywood do not like Walt because of that. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind. Um, but it's interesting because when Walt designed Disneyland and then later Disney World in Disneyland, they have New Orleans Square in Disney World in the Magic Kingdom, which is what Disneyland is. It's the equivalent in Florida. They've got Liberty Square. Everything there is basically set in like revolutionary times and that kind of thing. And they've got the Liberty tree tavern and everything is that kind of thing. Um, and then they've got, you know, 
they did things like the Hall of Presidents was one of Walt's like he he was one of the people who created that that came from the 1969 World's Fair where he did the moments with Mr. Lincoln, where they created the Lincoln animatronic. They didn't have a whole bunch of them. They just had the Lincoln animatronic and he did his, he did a whole spiel in front of people and it was at the world's fair. Walt did like four, four or five different attractions for that world's fair. Um, several of which became attractions later at Disneyland. And then were also trans, you know, also copied in Disney world. Um, things like Carousel of Progress was one was one of them, um, which is another one. Carousel of Progress is not strictly patriotic, like something like the American Experience Adventure is, but um, same thing. It's a story of a typical American family throughout what the typical American family would be like throughout the deck, you know, throughout different parts of history. Um, you know, he was very, you know, Main Street USA. You walk into the Magic Kingdom. You walk into Disneyland. The first place you are is Main Street USA. It is pure Americana. It is an America that probably never existed. It's an idealized form of that. Um, you know, but that's fine. Obviously, it's you know, you also yeah. have Fantasyland and Tomorrowland and a lot of you know, <laughs> it's not supposed to be historically accurate. Um, but it is what it is. It's supposed to be this this memory of America whether it's the truth or it's a dream of America, that's what it was supposed to represent. You know, it was maybe you didn't have a, a main street like this where you were from, but you have one here. Like, and that was, that was a big part of Walt, you know, was being American. Like main street USA was designed to be like Marceline, where she, which is where he grew up. Um, that's where he got the inspiration for that, you know, and something like the American adventure, uh, it's a really interesting attraction. It's a long attraction. Um, there's a lot of really good animatronics in it. There's a cool, there's a lot of good like film in it and stuff and, and, and some good, some music and all that kind of stuff. And it's even interesting as you walk in, uh, when you go in and you go up, there's like an escalator. They have hanging above you. Every different version of the American flag from throughout history. So the original, you know, stars and bars with the round, the 13, you know, all that to all these other variants that I didn't even know existed. It's really actually very interesting. And, and then you go yeah. in and you watch this show and this show talks about, um, yes, it is a pro ultimately a pro America type attraction, obviously, but they don't shy away from talking about bad parts of history and things that happened. And that's, that's part of it. They don't gloss it over. There's a whole big thing about the civil war with where they have this song about brother against brother. And it's a very interesting, you know, it, it's really good stuff. And, and the whole point is that that attraction, now this was not an attraction. Obviously this was created much, much later. This was not an attraction. Walt had anything to do with this was created long after he passed away. Um, and this is it in uh, Epcot. And it is, again, it was, you know, they had the countries and one of the countries is America and that's where they have this. And um, it's just interesting to see, like, the whole point of this thing really is that, like, America is an adventure. It is a young, we are still a young country, even though, you know, it's 200 and what, 200 and something years at this point. Um, mm -hmm. You know we are still fairly young compared to a lot of the other countries in the world. And 
it is an adventure. And are we going to make mistakes? Yeah, we're going to make mistakes. Hell yeah, we're going to make mistakes. But we're going to keep growing and we're going to keep going and we're going to keep moving forward. And it's this hopeful, optimistic view that I feel like people nowadays need. I feel like too many people nowadays have this feeling of like, it's all bad. Everything's terrible. Nothing will ever be good. Like, that's not life. Life is good and bad. Mm-hmm. Good things happen. Bad things happen. If you quit yeah. everything, change. right. And if you quit everything, as soon as something bad happened, no one would make it past like, you know, five years old. Like, like, what are you doing? Like, like that's one of the cool things about that attraction. And I don't know. They've been pushing. Listen, people within Disney uh, and then a lot of the media that covers Disney were pushing for them to get rid of the Hall of Presidents when Donald Trump was president because they didn't want to have the Donald Trump animatronic up there. They were all upset about that. Like, bro, everybody's had one. They have all the presidents there. So, mm-hmm. you know, when Reagan was president, I'm sure there were people who didn't like Ronald Reagan who still went to the attraction and watched the attraction and were probably kind of annoyed that Reagan was there. Same thing with George W. Bush. Same thing with Bill Clinton. Same thing with Barack Obama. Same thing that's going to happen with Joe Biden. Like, people are going to not like the current president. It's part of life. Like and to his just, animatronic would always be short circuiting. Yeah, you know, I was. I didn't want to make you, the joke. You put right? him in the back of the audience <laughs> with a sniffing sound effect. Um, but yeah, he would, like, he would be the one interacting with the operator and be like, no, Joe, stay away. <laughs> but they're like, they, you know, like, listen, whoever is president, there's always going to be somebody who doesn't like that president. And that doesn't mean you just get rid of the attraction because somebody you don't like became president. Like this is like if they were able to have this attraction, which they've had since like what the 70s, this attraction has been around. Maybe even before that, because it may have been at Disneyland first. Um, listen, they've been doing it for all this time, and people have survived having a president they didn't like be represented as an animatronic in the in the the attraction. Like, you'll get over it too, and you'll live. Like, this is what I'm saying. Like, and I so I I just I wonder how long before they come after the American adventure as well? Like how long before they start coming after that? Because it's very pro America. Like it's unfortunate, but you have to wonder about these things. Yeah. You have to kind of wonder about these things. I just, you know, and it's a shame because it's just dumb. Like, it's just dumb. Like nobody, like it just doesn't make any sense to absolutely hate to have all this hatred for the country where you're from. And I don't care where you're from. You know, whatever country you live in, you should be proud to be from there. If you're not, then that means there's something wrong. There's either something get the fuck out. There's either something wrong with you or depending on if you live in like a horrible, horrible, you know, shithole, there's something wrong with your country. And then you, maybe you need to help work to fix it. You know, either way, like, in an ideal world, everyone would be proud of the country they that they were from and that they live in. You know, I, I've met so many people over my lifetime who have come to this country from so many other places. And they'll tell me story. I love to hear stories about where they're from. It's something that always interests me. I love to hear about different places and, and hear about what life is like in different places. It's 
always interests me. And, um, you know, some people come from, from nice places. I, I've worked with people who come from, you know, Jamaica or the Bahamas or whatever, like, you know, those are nice places. People go there on vacation, you know, um, you know, and I've worked with people from Haiti and I've worked with people from, from all over. I've worked with people from the Philippines from all over the place. Um, and they tell me about their lives, uh, back when they live there and they tell me about their life here. And you know what, they might be struggling here to make enough money, especially cause I live in New York. Uh, but generally speaking, I don't think I've ever spoken to one of them who is upset with the fact that they came here or who is desperate to go back. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, that's the thing. Like they came here for a reason, you know, they came here for a reason. They came here to make a better life for themselves, to pursue a dream, whatever it might be. And ultimately that's the barometer. If people are coming here to anywhere, if people are coming to your country because it's better than what they have, where they're from, they have more opportunity. They have a chance to do something better Then what the hell are you bitching about? Cause you were born here. And if you were born here, well then you already won. You won the lotto. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just so crazy to me. Like, I don't, pfft. sorry. <laughs> my wife just texted me. This is completely off topic. My wife just, I knew about this earlier, but my wife just texted me about Jimmy Uso getting arrested for DUI. Um, <laughs> oh, that's new again. Um, yeah. He was the one that just recently returned, right? Yeah. Yeah. He was out for a year with an injury. Good Lord. Um, so anyway, uh, that'll damper on some storylines. That'll, yeah, I know, right? Like, <laughs> especially because he was just about to, like, he's just back and he's just about to be featured on TV more than he has been in years. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, that's fine because that stops me. I'll get off my soapbox now. And, um, <laughs> I don't generally do that. You know, I don't, I don't usually try to, I don't usually do that kind of stuff. We just have fun. Uh, that's we, have fine. we have a good time. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that's, that's patriotic media. Uh, we covered all sorts of things, movies, books, comics, theme park attractions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we even survived our own, you know, getting shut down and coming back. We survived the Russians. <laughs> <laughs> oh crap. I just thought of one red dawn. Red Dawn. Did you ever see Red Dawn, the original? The original, no. I saw the remake with Chris Hemsworth and one of the guys from Drake and Josh. Okay. Yeah, I, I knew Hemsworth was in it. I, I never saw the remake. I wasn't I saw, Bell. I know that. I've seen the original a bunch of times. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the original with, with uh, C. Thomas Howell and Patrick Swayze, I think, was in it. And um, yeah, there was a bunch of people in that. Um, but that was that movie was good. Like that was like when I was a kid, that was like the thing. We all thought the Russians were gonna invade and like we were gonna have to fight them off. Like, <laughs> like me and my friends would be running around like on the in the backyard with like toy guns, just yelling Wolverines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, listen. Yeah, that the one movie... thing I will say about the remake is that's it, it ended too quickly for me. Okay. The original, it's funny because the original, um, the original, it's funny because like 
the original was one of those i mean that's that movie really was like a propaganda movie <laughs> like a hundred percent like they're absolutely like people talk about propaganda and they generally talk about like you know like during the war during world war ii and all that kind of stuff like you know because like, obviously there was a lot of it then but um that movie like was absolute cold war propaganda for sure <laughs> <laughs> same thing like top gun like top gun was 100 a recruiting video oh definitely um, you know that was that was a that was a two-hour recruitment uh movie for, you know for for the military uh and i'm sure it worked um because that movie was kick-ass like that movie was cool mm-hmm. like, <laughs> like you know even things like um like iron eagle like with lou gossett one with lou gossett jr like the kids there's a kid and like well, he's not a kid kid but um jason gedrick his his father gets like captured or something and so they wind up like i don't even remember how but somehow this kid and lou gossett jr fly f-16s to go rescue his dad um it's absolutely ridiculous idea because he's like supposed to be like a high school kid or something but i loved it as a kid i loved it <laughs> <laughs> it's a suspension of disbelief yeah yeah absolutely like dude i didn't care it was just f-16s getting into dogfights. i was cool with that mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> like top gun like when they got to like the love scene in top gun i'm like what the hell is this crap i want to see the planes like <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny to hear people talk about when you talk to people about top gun like talk to people like like me like my age like if you talk to any of the women about top gun they're all going to talk to you about the volleyball scene. If you talk to any of the guys about Top Gun, they're all just talking about the planes. You know, they're talking about like the planes or like when they fly upside down and they give the guy the finger, like that kind of stuff. Like that, that's what they're talking about. <laughs> Very funny how that movie had like different things for different audiences. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, a sign the- of a good movie. No one yeah, would. <laughs> what parts to have for what audience absolutely there's a little something for everybody mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah no that was like there's so many like there really is honestly there's so many i we could probably just rattle off a bunch of more names but i think we did a good enough job covering this topic tonight oh yeah um, we, can, we can cover the other stuff on next year <laughs> yeah exactly we'll do another one next year um so anyway thank you to everybody who was in the chat thank you to anybody who uh especially to ramble gamble who let us know that the the stream was down and that it was back. Mm -hmm. Uh, that was a big help. Thank you. Um, and anybody who's watching the replay, uh, thank you for watching the replay. Don't forget to subscribe and all that good stuff. And I wanted to mention before we go off the air. So anybody who made it this far into the stream, uh, you'll get the heads up Thursday night this week. So obviously not tomorrow, tomorrow's Wednesday, the next day, Seven o'clock Eastern. We're gonna have uh, Indie Comics Underground live. We're gonna be talking to Narwhal all about Earthbound Part Two. So that's gonna be a fun one. Definitely want to be here for that. That's Thursday, seven PM Eastern. Um, and with that, I'm just gonna cut the ending short. We won't go through any real big uh, goodbyes here because we've been going for two and a half hours anyway. So uh, thank you to everybody for watching. Don't forget to like and subscribe and all that good stuff. Check out RC's channel. Links are in the description below. And we will see you on Thursday, 7 o'clock. And we'll see you next Tuesday at 7 o'clock for a new episode of The Best Ever. Peace. You